Happy holidays and Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm Noah Grant, executive producer of the Huskies Warming House podcast, welcoming you to episode number 42. It's our Christmas special featuring Bill Prout, as well as the best of 2020 for the Huskies Warming House podcast. In this episode, we will dive into a little bit of holiday fun, a little bit of recapping the men's and women's hockey seasons with Bill Prout, who was gracious enough to spend about 50 minutes and join us in this show. And then in the second half of the show, we will talk about the best of 2020 for the show. That involves our top five interviews of the year, as well as some Christmas questions, a lot of fun, and just a lot of really great discussion. As we are aware, of course, this show does run about a little over two hours. It will be our last full show which we will have as one continuous show. So that would be the last time you'll ever probably see a show of this length as we're going to split up the center ice view news and notes, trivia, and our special topic into one show. And then the healthy scratch interview segment into another show starting in the beginning of the new year in 2021. So please bear with us. We don't have the logistics of that figured out quite yet, but when we know them, uh, you might just kind of randomly start to see Husky's warming house podcast episodes come out for now. I think Potentially, we are going to be releasing the first half, the meat and potatoes, the center ice view news and notes around probably Sunday, Sunday afternoon. And then the healthy scratch interview segment will probably come out on Tuesday, but we haven't officially figured that out quite yet. Uh, Another thing to note about this particular show, this show is going to have no ads or anything like that so we don't really have any timestamps listed the two things that are probably most important that most people are here for uh, at around 13 minutes is when bill prout nick maxson and i will discuss the men's and women's hockey seasons and recap those in a pretty lengthy segment and then around the 53 minute mark is when the second half of the show starts uh, which was recorded today on christmas and that will dive into uh, the best of 2020 for the huskies warming house podcast do not forget as well trivia does start the upcoming week of January around January 2nd or 3rd on that Saturday and it is also going to be the first show of not only the new year but the new month so that means that is a double minor giveaway so two Twitter followers will get a Huskies Warming House podcast t-shirt with that being said we hope you enjoy the show and really happy you joined us in this 2020 edition of our Christmas special and welcome back to the Den Husky Warming House Podcast, fans. It is episode number 42, a different episode this week as we are joined uh, this time by Bill Prout of Center Ice View. Uh, we thank you, everybody. This will be our last show of the year 2020. So we had to bring in um, one of our special uh, guys that has definitely helped us uh, really get this podcast up and off the floor running. Uh, so with that, uh, again, Bill, welcome. And uh, again, great to, to have you back on a week's talk. Last time it was a little bit different circumstances uh, you know, during the summer months. And here we are, uh, St. Cloud and the Twin Cities are just getting annihilated by a blizzard. But uh, nice and warm and comfy, at least here, uh, uh, here inside the uh, Husky Warming House Studios. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, uh, great to be with you. And uh, actually, the first time I was on was back in the dark ages of your uh, Husky's Warming House. You weren't on Zoom at the time, and it was all nope. audio. So... Uh, you progressed quite a bit in, what did you say, 41 episodes now? 42? 42, yeah. 42. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if we're quite out of the dark ages yet in terms of our content, but as far <laughs> as actually being able to see each other, I think we've uh, we've been able to to do things all right. Nick, I, um, I guess we have a couple of housekeeping things to take care of. I guess the first one, maybe we'll get out of the way. Um, we're going to have uh, no ads played in this uh 
in, in this episode this week. So we're just going to jump into trivia and that sort of thing. Of course, with the only real centerized view news and notes topic that we have today, Nick, really surrounds the NHL and the start of the season. We're going to table that till next week. We might have another guest coming on next week that should have more to talk about as far as that's concerned. Uh, centerizedview.com, of course, great place to get some information for Huskies hockey. Bill, I don't know if you've ever been to Centerized View. Have you ever checked out that website? I hear it's here that and Huskies Illustrated are all right. What do you have to say about those? <laughs> Yeah, I checked it out once or twice. <laughs> People probably think I'm nuts the, the amount of time I put into it, but I equate it to, uh, you know, a guy going home and going out to the garage and doing a woodworking project. For me, uh, my real job is in the commercial insurance business, which, you know, is deadlines and dealing with some very, uh, you know, serious subjects and, and dealing with uh, companies and their assets and their people. And uh, so for me, when I go home and I take some free time just to work on Centerize, uh, Centerizeview.com and Huskies Illustrated, it's relaxing for me. And it allows me to dig into things that I really have a lot of passion about, which is culture. Yeah, I, I actually, to, to be honest, I mean, uh, they have two different purposes in terms of Centerized View and Huskies Illustrated. Huskies Illustrated essentially is a, a photo gallery on steroids, if you will. Um, that one's my favorite just because, one, I like stealing your photos for our content. Um, we, don't st- we don't steal his photos. He does give us permission, so thank you again for those. Um, but I, I just like looking at different action shots of hockey and how it's crazy how you can take a game that is so fast and be able to capture a moment within that where – you know, somebody is falling over and that sort of thing. So uh, really cool. Definitely go check out both of those websites. And uh, I mean, maybe let's talk about that before we jump into trivia a little bit. I think, Nick, um, Nick, do you kind of want to fill the listeners in on the role that Bill Prout has played for us getting to episode 42? Because, I mean, we started this in the middle of a pandemic and the thought that we are sitting here today on Wednesday, December 23rd, talking, talking about episode 42 is just astonishing to me. Well, small correction, though, because you remember, because we started before the pandemic and we took a break um, with the pandemic for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we kind of came back together and we said, you know, at least at the time, we didn't know how long it was going to last. I don't think we ever envisioned that here we sit December 23rd at the time of recording that we would still be talking about a pandemic, uh, you know, affecting, you know, the world uh, that's around us. But the common goal was, hey, let's keep doing this thing. It's good reps. And then that way, when this thing gets back, you know, we're still fresh on our skill sets. You know, we're at least I can talk clearly. I'm still working on that part. Uh, depends on, um, I guess, uh, how much uh, Gatorade and water I'm con- uh, you know, consuming in a day. Uh, but at the end of it, we just we wanted to continue uh, to share our passion of not only college hockey in general, but also obviously keep uh, the listeners up to date with, uh, I guess, Huskies hockey and, you know, is, you know, the NCHC. And so then it all of a sudden, you know, Bill, and I think this is kind of where the, the, we took a giant step was that uh, you reach out to us and you said, hey, I like what you guys are doing. And, you know, I'd like to offer some support. And I think the biggest support we could have gotten, though, is, you know, just some contact information with some of the guests that we had, you know, during, you know, arguably the slow times of hockey. So, um, you know, it, it's it's those interviews that really pushed us over to the next level of our podcast. And uh, again, we, we owe you a great deal of gratitude for being able to help us take that next step into delivering some great insights, some news, and well as to get some of the characters that Huskies fans, whether it's, you know, current, uh, current players or coaches or alumni, uh, a chance to see some of these people in an element they probably aren't really used to seeing as well you know and i and i i think the thing is is uh um the approach that i take with centerized view is i call it fan centric 
uh, because it's it's primarily from the viewpoint. I try to look in the in, in the shoes of the fan and what does the fan like to see? What type of information? And uh, so that's the approach that I take. And um, and I and I think it's I think it's worked. I think uh, you know we built up a pretty good following on our site. But what you two guys are doing right now, and you've had some outstanding guests over the last forty plus uh, episodes, and um, you can see that people really appreciate the guests, the content, uh, the great job that you do uh, interviewing. And I think the best thing is that uh, you're so prepared when you talk to these guests, and um, you ask pertinent questions, but then you allow the guests to speak, which I think is another you know very important part of the way you do things. I appreciate that. I, I do remember, um, of course, kind of when we really made that jump was really when like Craig Dole came on and then of course, Bob Motzko and then Bob Motzko actually transcended into a, a kind of a cool one for myself and Don Lucia. But I remember before that Bob Motzko interview, not even be able to, being able to sleep that night thinking, holy smokes, we get to talk to Bob Motzko. And then of course, you know, we've had some, you know, pretty cool guests, uh, Josh Fenton coming on and then um, probably a primo episode, I would say, and like Jack Ashan and Jimmy Schultz and like those episodes, it was like, ah, oh, we'll just throw some prep together. We've got this. It's amazing that the, the transition that has happened. Um, and I kind of want to get your fan perspective on this one, Bill, because it's something that we've talked a little bit about uh, last week and into this week. We ran a poll asking in our show about whether or not listeners preferred to have the episode as one long episode, about 90 to 120 minutes, or if we wanted it split from the, the segments with centerized view trivia and kind of our big special topic after interview segment as one show and then healthy scratch interview as a separate show. And the fans overwhelmingly have said to this point that they want the show split in two, which um, I think we're okay with. We almost kind of record it as such as it is anyway. So I think it um, is going to be a very beneficial thing as times and dates change. Um, but what is your personal opinion on this one, Bill? I mean, are, are you excited for the change? Are you excited to see the show split into two? Um, and, and I guess like from a fan perspective, would it be something where, you know, if we re release the, the meat and potatoes of the show, the news and notes and that sort of thing on a Sunday. Would you want the interview to come out at the same time? Would you want it to come out on a Tuesday? Would you want it later in the week? I mean, what are, what are your kind of initial thoughts as someone who listens to our show regularly? Yeah, I pretty much align with the fans. I think that um, now if it's 90, if it's 90 minutes show and I'm in my car, I'd love to have 90 minutes, but if I'm sitting down having a cup of coffee on Sunday morning, and I want a quick hit on something, which I normally do. I normally listen to your entire show on Sunday morning and then work on some of the Sunrise View stuff. But uh, personally, I would, I think it's a, it's a natural progression to split it up and maybe shorten the segments for those that are sitting at a PC and just want a quick hit of information or want to zero in on, you know, say the interview as opposed to the other stuff. Uh, so I think you're moving in the right direction with that. Sure. And I know that like our discussion too, the biggest challenge for us, and I was having a good conversation with Derek Phelps, whose Twitter handle is at crease and assist. Hopefully he'll join us soon as well in another episode. But we had kind of talked a little bit about uh, how it's almost dangerous for Nick and I to talk sometimes within center. I few news and notes, because I think we could talk for three or four hours about hockey, just because it's, especially when the men's and women's team get back into action, we could sit here and dissect the game all day. So uh, it's definitely something that is a revolving door and a challenge for us to uh, try to see how we can piece the, the show together accordingly. Uh, our last little bit of housekeeping, Nick, as we did mention, is trivia. So we're going to run through that real quick here. It was our last trivia of 2020, and the question did read, 
In 2017-18, the St. Cloud State women's hockey goaltender Emma Paluzny was the first Husky to achieve multiple all-WCHA honors in the same season. However, both her and defenseman Hannah Bates, who we had on the show last week, have both earned what WCHA women's hockey accolade twice? Do you happen to know, either of you, do you happen to know what the answer to this question is? I believe I do, but I'm going to uh, defer to Bill Proud on this one. Just I to have terrible on trivia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to it... defer this. Yep, I'm going to defer this back to Nick. <laughs> is this the uh, all academic honors? It is. So Brody Falconer was our winner for the ninth time, taking his spot with a little bit of separation on the leaderboard. Both Hannah and Emma are two-time WCHA All-Academic Team awardees. So once again, we will not have trivia this week, uh, this Saturday. So thanks to all who participated in the year of 2020. We'll be back at it again. I believe it will be, is it December 2nd or 3rd, something like that, or January? January, January. for those who don't like to go back in time. Hey, December 3rd is my birthday. I was just too excited. So Brody Falconer has the lead with nine points and then Tinner Heath with six fight the pants with five points and everybody else with one point. So we really appreciate uh, everybody who's kind of been grinding on that trivia a little bit. Uh, Cool to see that leaderboard expand quite a bit. Uh, Nick, I'm going to kick it over to you with whatever you've got uh, planned in store for us next a little bit here. Uh, So no, I said, I think what we want to do is again, there's so much NHL news to talk about that. I think we do have to split it up for next week. Um, and I think there's more that's going to be coming out too that uh, will kind of tie everything together. So um, as much as I know that we're <laughs> really you know, itching to talk some NHL hockey, uh, it's coming back, which is good, but uh, still plenty of more things to uh, sort of round out. And uh, we'll put the frosting on the cake next week. Uh, but I think at first, what we really have to do, Noah, is to, to really kind of bring into the fold of, I guess, where the men's and the hockey's teams are so far this season. It's the halfway point. And uh, for for the women's team, I think we need to dissect them first. And then I know with Bill, uh, who, as you mentioned, you watched every single game in the pod, not just with St. Cloud, but, you know, every NCHC team. I kind of go through uh, at least where the Huskies stand as far as, you know, their ranking. Are they deserving of that ranking? And uh, now I guess that we have a pretty good a pretty good sample size of where they're at. You know, uh, I guess what are the new possible expectations for this uh, team heading into the second half of the season? So, uh, uh, no, I'm going to start with you. Uh, let's let's start with some women's hockey. Uh, we've talked about it before the last couple of episodes, but for the women, uh, some definitely some progress, some improvement being made. And I guess for me personally, I think it's one of those where. If you were on that squad, you would have wanted to keep playing. You wouldn't have wanted this break, uh, but they will be back in action here soon. Uh, uh, Noah, your first impressions of the first half of the season, and then I guess, you know, where's the bar at and where does this women team need to go from here? Sure. So two and four is their record tied for second in the WCHA. Um, They're fourth listed in the WCHA, but they're tied for that second place. Uh, They split in a weekend with a one nothing shutout win to start the season against Mankato and then dropped the second night. Had a really tough weekend against arguably one of the best teams in the WCHA in Duluth the following weekend. Outscored nine to one in that weekend. I think Duluth, honestly, on a side tangent, is going to be a team to be reckoned with with the likes of Minnesota and Wisconsin this year. They have a very, very good group this year. Uh, So So they came back the following uh, middle of the week, I should say, uh, Bemidji State getting an overtime win and then an overtime loss to cap out the first half of the season. Uh, and, And we threw out some numbers to as far as goal differentials, minus nine in the goal differential, minus 107 in shot differential. Um, I don't know if these are numbers that, you know, you should really be worried about. I think that Duluth series has the bulk of what these would, would say, um, 
But I think this women's group has gotten a lot better and a lot deeper o- over this uh, course of the first half of the season. And like you mentioned, I think they would like to keep playing. I think Bill would probably say the same thing as well. Bill, I think you had kind of remarked earlier on before the show uh, about how this women's team to you kind of kind of looked maybe a little bit uh, um, stronger than they did last year. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think they have more uh, talent on the team this year. You take a player like Gentry, who really is a big time Division One women's player, and she's only played uh, three games. Yeah. And um, so, you know, once you get her positioned uh, into the lineup and get her uh, beginning to get into the flow of the season, I think you're going to see some great things out of her. And, uh, you know, she's a pretty imposing player uh, physically, size, which is um, definitely a big advantage in women's hockey, uh, particularly, uh, you know, battling through checks because of the way that they call penalties in the league. Um you know, for her to be able to battle through, um, you know, battle through through checks um, is really of a benefit to someone like her. But they do have some scores on the team. They brought back a number of uh, scores from last year. I like, uh, you know, I like Neeland and Cluj and, um, um, you know, him, him or Lova and, um, and Gentry. Um, I mean, these are quality Division One women's players, and I think it's uh, – Unfortunate, it's been a dysfunctional season because of the way it started. And I think it's going to be a work in progress and it'll get better as the uh, season goes along. I definitely would agree with that, Nick, uh, before I kick it over to you. I, I, and I think that, uh, of course, we had Emma Paluzny on uh, last episode as well. And I think their goaltending situation, especially with the addition of Sonia Hola, and then, of course, Carly Reese uh, will enter her senior season next year. Uh, I think their goaltending um I, 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 don't even, I hesitate to call them problems because they're not problems at all. Their goaltending is going to be very, very strong in the future. So, you know, I think when you have the ability to work from the back end up and like we've talked about how defensively they're all right, they just weren't scoring enough. And when you have those additions like Clara Himlerova, Taylor Lind, Olivia Savar, you know, some of these younger players, Emma Gentry, especially who was WCHA rookie of the week uh, a week and a half ago. Those are very, very important additions to this group that's looking to make some noise in the WCHA. And I think they're just itching to get ready for the second half of the season uh, and it's really good to see um, as well we'll talk about this in the men's side too St. Cloud in the past couple of years bringing in some really good rookie players that are starting to make an impact very very quickly on both the men's and women's squads uh, 100% and you know I know Bill talks about the impact of Emma Gentry uh, this team if anything if, if you want to call it their goaltending it's more the fact that they're just defending too much right they just get worn down so I mean, your shot differential stat that you, te- you, know, that you talk about is more of an indictment that this team just spends way too much time in their own zone now a couple of things that have gotten better with this squad overall they, they are a team that's playing faster right I think that was one thing that we saw from last season that you know they were very slow but it almost seemed like they were just worn out because because again, uh, last season, we saw the same issue where a lot of time defensively, and then it was almost get the puck to the red line, dump it and get a line change, and you were dead tired already. So uh, when you have players like Emma Gentry, Olivia Sivaria, Neon Newland, and uh, Clara Hamlerova that can give you sustained offensive forechecking pressure and actually put the opposing team on the heels a little bit and actually try to control a little bit, you will eventually will start to have these things even out a little bit. You'll start to get the shots up. Eventually, your goal differential improves. So, I mean, a player like Emma who, like uh, Bill said, imposing, can fight through checks, can all that is more just based around puck possession and having chances on the stick, right? So when you're starting to turn the tables toward the offensive side, that gives Emma Paluzny and a great 
tandem of goalie talent there a little bit of a rest too right because uh, unfortunately for Palooza you would love to see her you know break the shot re- or shot record as just for saves but you also don't at the same time you don't want her to have to make 35 40 saves a night so it's going to get there I do agree with Bill it's going to be a work in progress but in, and again the big question is how steep is the ladder going to be for them are they going to improve quite a bit or is it going to be more of a slow burn kind of a deal but you know and as we know in hockey sometimes it's not how or how high you peak, but when you peak too. So if this team continues to get better every game, again, in the WCHA, uh, it's such a competitive conference. But again, Huskies get better. You never know. You might be able to beat a team that maybe you up there, Duluth, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Uh, now you're starting to talk about not only is this team much better, but now is this team competing for a top spot in the conference. Yeah, and I, and I think that this group uh, played their best games of the year last year against those higher-up teams, your Ohio States, your Wisconsin's, your Minnesota. So if they can bring that effort, especially that I think we've seen more of in this season in the second half now, uh, this is a team that's on the rise and really excited to see where they end up. And don't forget, next season, the addition of St. Thomas as that eighth team will put another wrench into things as well. Uh, Nick, moving over to the NCHC and the pod that just finished up on the men's side, the men's side going 6-3 and three overall. They do have a game in hand on the two teams that they do trail as their third in the NCHC trailing Omaha and the University of North Dakota uh, by two points and four points respectively. So uh, this group, uh, a little more in the plus column as far as goal differential, plus five in the goal differential, plus 29 in the shot differential for this group. Uh, VT Mietnin, one of the leading scorers as a freshman as well as Nick Perbix on the back end. Very, very rare that you see a defenseman that is the leading scoring on a team. Uh, although Jack Sean was pretty good, I would have to say. But uh, really happy to see Sam Henches start to get on the board. I think Nolan Walker has progressed again this year as we had talked about as well. But i really like to get Bill's thoughts uh, on the NCHC pod in general and then where he thinks the Huskies stand uh, I think as much as we want to believe that this St. Cloud group was the up-and-coming team it's kind of really hard to discount this Omaha group that has kind of really taken off not only standings wise but I think they were a good group even before we saw them rocket up to second place to finish the pod but Bill I mean what are your impressions of the Huskies have they gotten better this year uh, are they going to maintain that third spot or better in the NCHC and what did you like and not like from the group? Well, I think the result was much better than uh, what I expected, to be honest with you. Um, I think the coaching the coaching staff is very happy with the team after uh, nine games. They feel that they're farther ahead now than they were last year. Um, you know, last year they were a little more one-dimensional and they had to rely on, um, you know, a few players to uh, define their roles like the palings to, uh, you know, probably have too much ice time, but they were forced to do that. Uh, this year, uh, if you... Uh, recall the last game that they played, the amount of time that the quote-unquote fourth line was on the ice. Uh, it just shows you that they have a lot of balance on the team and they have confidence in their one through four lines, although, you know, they don't consider it their fourth line. But um, so there's a lot more balance. But I thought the key is going into the season, they needed to get a big year out of uh, Nick Perbix. And, you know, he has really elevated his play this year. The Tampa Bay Lightning are looking are starting to look like geniuses for projections on him because he is starting to look like an NHL player. His skating is very smooth, and for a for a tall, lean guy, he's got extremely good hands. And um, uh, so that's you know one of the keys. The other key was that you know the junior forwards of Miller, uh, Hanches, and Walker, and those are the guys now as upperclassmen that they really needed to elevate their game, and I think they've done it. Um, you, you know, Hanches is the scorer. 
uh, although he went for about a you know a year without a without a call. I mean, we're going back to last season, but but he has uh, he has picked things up as the pod went on. Walker and Miller, we'll have to see if uh, you know if the scoring improves out of those two guys. Uh, but again, uh, uh, Miller, you look at his uh, play on the penalty kill and the amount of chances he gets shorthanded, uh, and just the way that he plays as a power forward, uh, he's very valuable. And uh, I think Walker's been a uh, you know a really good surprise this year. Um, he's not uh, he's not scoring as much as he'd like to be scoring, or as much as uh, I thought that he might be scoring at this time during the year. But you know, we'll have to wait and see on him. He's a good skater. He's playing aggressive. Uh, they're putting him in uh, key positions out there. He's on the power play. He's become a very valuable player for them. Um, you know, the, the addition of the two graduates uh, transfers, uh, Cockrell and, and Donahue, I mean, are absolutely uh, tremendous for this team. Um, as a matter of fact, when I put together my all NCHC pod team today, which I, I put on the blog, uh, I've got Donahue on the third team. Now, a lot of people might disagree with that, but if you look at it, you know, he's really taking care of the fork when, when uh, Nick Perbix is uh, skating up ice and he's uh, uh, putting on some of his offensive ability. Donahue is staying back and, and holding down the fork. You look at the amount of ice time that he had in the pod and you look at how well he played defensively and he was plus six in the pod. And um, so, you know, you kind of look at him as being an offensive guy, a mobile defenseman, but um, he actually played very well defensively in the pod and played well against, I believe he was five, he was plus five against UM, uh, UND, Omaha, and Denver. And so he was playing very well in, 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 uh, in the big games. Uh, of course, Mietinen is outstanding. Um, definitely, you know, the all-rookie pod team with uh, Savoy and, uh, and Gaber. And all three of these guys have, an NHL wrist shot. And I think that's the thing that differentiates them from uh, the other forwards in the pod. That's why they stood out so much is that you put them in position anywhere in the shooting area and, you know, a goalie is going to have to be afraid because they can beat you at just about any time. So uh, I like the balance on the team. Defensively, they're not flashy, but um, talking to some coaches uh, in the league, um, they're very impressed with the Huskies' defense from the standpoint of their uh, their physical size and their strength. They're not, you know, they're not as mobile as some other uh, defensive cores, but I think they're a pretty solid group, and they have enough quality defensemen there to play with. Um, probably more than what they, you know, they really need to play with right now. They've got guys on the bench that probably could be playing. It's kind of interesting too when we talked about in the in kind of our preview of the season, we talked about how this forward group was not a big group. You know, they're a speed and skill type group. They're not going to grind it on in the corners. And that defensive core, like you mentioned, has really been able to take care of their own zone. And to take care of your own zone, you often got to kind of take a little bit of punishment as a defenseman. So I think that the Huskies have been able to do that. Um, a, a couple of questions for you regarding some things that our fans have kind of touched out a little bit too. Um, and one of those I want to go along with the defensive side is the goal 
goaltending situation, specifically David Rennick. And I think David Rennick, uh, especially last year, but even this year, I know he gave up a couple of early goals in some games in the pod. There's been kind of a knock on him as far as, you know, is he a goaltender that really has taken that next step? Or is this all we're going to get from David Rennick? I mean, do, do you like David Rennick's play? Do you think he's been playing well? Um, or do you or do you kind of re- agree with the fans that you feel like you should maybe be seeing a save or two more from Rennick on the back end? Um, well, I, I mean, I like to play David Rennick, um, although I think, you know, the, the comment that I would have is consistency and getting, you know, getting a big game out of him, uh, game in and game out. Um, you, you look at some of the younger goaltenders that were in the pod, like, like uh, Bossy for Colorado College and, uh, of course, uh, Pearson for Miami. And, you know, these are guys that came in, and uh, particularly Pearson, I mean, his, his goals against and his save percentage are crazy. I think his, he, played, he played half of the games of the pod, uh, but his save percentage was 96%. David went into that last game with a save percentage under 90% and the goals against above three, and that's not going to cut it. Um, and, and I think from that standpoint, that's why you saw, you know, more minutes from Castor and you saw more minutes from Lamoureux because I think they're still looking for the goaltender that's really going to take charge. They want Rennick to take, take charge. He has the ability. He's an NHL draft choice. Uh, but I think it's a consistency factor. And, you know, one of the telling uh, goals was the game against North Dakota when uh, I believe it was Colin Adams came in from the outside and, and went around Spencer Meyer and he roofed it above David's shoulder. Now, I'm not a, goal de- I'm not a goaltending coach. That concerns me a little bit because I think if David's just standing up and he's blocking the corner of the net, um, you know, so I think sometimes there might be some, um, just some structural things that he's doing um, that are hurting him a little bit. Uh, I'm certainly not giving up on David Rennick. I think he's a quality goaltender. Um, we just need to get a big game out of him uh, to win those games that, you know, might go either way. Sure. And, and then the other guy that I kind of wanted to ask about, too, um, and, and this is he's had no negative talk about him, but I think he's been more of a surprise and a guy that's been a little bit under the radar, a guy that we had a, on a couple episodes back, and that is Kevin Fitzgerald. I think Kevin Fitzgerald goes really under highlighted, if, if you will. Um, was he uh, he's my standout guy, I should say, for the Huskies. Besides VT Mietnin, uh, who is your quote unquote standout or underrated guy? I believe it probably maybe is Seamus Donahue for you. But is there another player that really um, kind of surprised you or really made the jump that you were hoping for? You know, I've always been, you know, I talk a little bit about Nolan Walker and I am a fan of Nolan Walker. I, I just think that he has you know, all the characteristics of being a great player. And he's only a junior and it's, a, you know, it's only after nine games in his junior year. And I, I think that, you, you know, for Nolan is probably just confidence. He came in and he made the all rookie team uh, as a freshman. And then he had that sophomore slump and, um, you know, maybe he got down on himself a little bit or, or lost a little bit of confidence. But, um, you know, that's one guy that I think could really uh, improve things for this team if he starts scoring. And, you know, he's had an ability in junior hockey to be a, you know, to be a top scorer. But I agree with you on Kevin Fitzgerald. You know, here's a guy that, uh, you know, came out of the NHL and, um, and he was more of a later uh, um, commit for the Huskies. And he's come in and he's been, you know, just an incredibly efficient and productive player for the Huskies. He's one of those players that he can uh, perform offensively, but he also is good defensively. 
And he's a guy that, you know, he can grind as well. So you pretty much get the whole, you know, you pretty much get the whole picture out of him. Yeah, and a sentiment as well to boot. I also like how you mentioned earlier about Micah Miller. There's a guy that we've touched on a little bit too, where I feel like Micah, if he can just find a way to pot a couple of those chances, because he's in, in all the right places, it seems, just doesn't have that scoring touch right now. I think with him and Nolan Walker finding a little bit more production, like you mentioned, this group is definitely going to take off. Let's picture around the rest of the NCHC though, because like Nick had mentioned, you got a chance to take in probably about 90% or better of the games. We touched a little bit on Omaha. We knew North Dakota was going to be a a pretty good team denver really didn't have the showing that they were looking for and then of course you have the bottom teams or quote-unquote bottom teams anything can happen in the nchc uh, in colorado miami and western michigan Uh, and then of course duluth in there as well let's not forget how good they are tied with us right now um I know that, again, going back to the fans' perspective, there's some frustration, especially going back to game number eight in the pod, that really tough start, a three-to-one deficit, um, and they claw their way back, the Huskies do, against Colorado College, which was looked at as a lesser team, if you will, uh, getting an overtime win by a score of four-to-three. I mean, what would you say to that perspective about fans thinking that, you know, a game against any NCHC foe would be an easy win, if you will. And then number two, who are your groups to watch out for from the, in the NCHC? And then who are the teams that you thought were going to have a better showing that really have struggled? Uh, well, um, you, you know, to be honest with you, and this sounds a little crazy, but I, but I do like Western Michigan and um, you know, if they could get there, unfortunately their goaltender got, got injured and, and they took a heavy hit last year. Uh, in departures with players, but uh, you're starting to see that team, you know, you can see them improve during the pod and they're really formidable because of the style of play. I mean, they are really a distinctive style of play. Probably, you know, Miami uh, right now is probably similar to that, you know, not, um, but, but Miami can't put up the offense like, uh, like Western Michigan does with, uh, with Frank and Passel and uh, Washke and, um, uh, you know, some of their other guys. So it, it probably sounds a little crazy, but for a team that only won two games, I thought that they came a long way during the pod. And if they can get some goaltending, I think they're going to be difficult to contend with. And the thing is, is that our schedule, uh, the schedule of the Huskies is overloaded with uh, Western Michigan, uh, the second half of the schedules. That's going to be interesting to see how those teams uh, match up. And, you know, Western was, was I mean, they won one game and they uh, were tough out in the, the very first game of the pot. Um, you know, naturally, uh, North Dakota with their 12 uh, NHL draft choices, they're formidable. Um, you know, what can you say? I mean, they're skilled. They get Clevin and Sanderson back and, you know, they're going to be extremely formidable. Um, I don't know for sure if I would say that they've got the best goaltending in the league. Um I think that there's some susceptibility there. Um, as far as the top three goaltenders in the NCH pod, NCHC pod, um, it was Seville by far. He was, uh, you know, he was uh, the best in every statistical category of goalies that played over 90% of the games. Clearly, he was the best goaltender in the pod. And um, and then I thought, you know, Ludwig Person, I, he played five games. But, you know, 96 save percentage and the 1.6 goals against, um, I mean, he was outstanding every single game that he came in. And then I would probably, you know, the next goaltenders I'd, I'd put in the, on the list would be Scheel and, uh, and uh, Fanti from Duluth. And, and I think those two are kind of a toss-up. Um, 
So, but Duluth, a great team. Denver is an enigma. And, uh, you know, we understand that they're missing Bobby Brink uh, because of the World Junior stuff. But, you know, I think it's more to it than that. Um, losing Ian Mitchell was a, was a big hit back in the blue line. And, um, and at, at the forward, Peters, uh, forward position, losing Emilio Peterson, you know, that was a big hit for Cole Gutman because those two played together and they really had a lot of chemistry. And um, so it's going to be interesting. You know, we were all waiting for Den Denver to snap out of it, and they never really did. And um, th they do have some, you know, high-quality players on the team. Savoy is unbelievable, uh, just a scary player. And um, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, where they finish up the second half of the year. They could end up finishing in the, in, in the middle of the pack. I like to agree with you, Bill, on that, because with Denver, I mean, losing one player, and granted, Bobby Brink is, you know, arguably one of their better yeah. forwards yeah. on that roster, yeah. uh, but he doesn't solve your team's issues by any means. Uh, Denver, to me, was a team that just seemed to be almost a step behind on a lot of things. And as you mentioned, Ian, uh, Ian Mitchell going to Chicago, uh, and again, Emilio Peterson, not only does, was, uh, again, you talk about Cole Gutman, but their power play, Emilio Peterson was their go-to guy on that right side because of just how good you talk about a guy with an NHL wrist shot, Emilio Peterson, boy, mm -hmm. my goodness. I mean, the quick, one of the quickest releases I've seen in person, uh, got gold, uh, went through the, uh, Herb Brooks national hockey center. And so you, you talk about, about special teams and even sense uh, Emilio Peterson actually hurts them in a couple different ways. Uh, but again, like you mentioned, you can't count Denver out of it. Uh, I think, uh, again, I think they have some things to solve uh, offensively. I think they have some things to solve defensively. Um, they have a really good coach in David Carl. Uh, that's going to be, you know, leading them through. And uh, I, again, I, I think, you know, it was a natural regression for them. And I 100% agree with in Western Michigan. If this team has goaltending, that team is scary. Again, you can't, uh, Andy Murray's a one heck of a, a hockey coach. Uh, they are always in your face. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, I don't think we're having the same conversation and Brandon Busey doesn't get injured. I think that, uh, you know, we probably have a, a five team split uh, on top of the NCHC conference of Western Michigan. Uh, but, you know, there's a team, no, that we haven't talked about and enough, and that's Omaha, uh, a team that honestly just when you look at the roster, you know, nothing really flashy. But this team is bought in to everything Mike Gamene wants them to do. They play fast. They play physical. They suffocate you. And more importantly, defensively, they just keep you to the outside. The Huskies could not really get anything on the interior. Uh, they couldn't really do anything as far as sustained offensive pressure. On the rush, they had people back when the Huskies were coming up and off the ice. Uh, they just are a win-by-committee type team. And that's a team in college hockey is almost the most scary team to go up against, right? Because when you have teams like North Dakota or teams like UMD, when you have some skilled players and you can shorten the bench and you can get things done, Omaha, you can roll four lines and they can come at you and they can be scary no matter who you throw out there. So uh, to me, Omaha deserves all the credit in the world. They are that good. Um, yeah, they don't have you know the name that sticks out, you know the name recognition, but man, that team is playing like a 20-man unit every single night, and they're going to be a formidable opponent to the second half of the season as well. They're, they're kind of a group that like makes me think of the St. Louis Blues of 2019 a little bit when they went on their cup run. Just a team that not only will they beat you with skill, but they're a very heavy, very physical team to deal with. And when you add that physicality, that's a game changer for me. Uh, we, we are running kind of lengthy on 
on time here, Nick. So I, I only have one more question before Bill. And again, for our listeners, stick around. We're going to be doing our best of the year from the Huskies Warming House podcast, checking out some of the best interview answers and other things that we thought were interesting from the year. Bill, let's transition away from hockey right now. I believe you're at home right now. We're recording this on Wednesday, but when it comes out on Friday and Saturday, what, what do you have any big Christmas weekend plans? If it wasn't COVID, what would you normally be doing for Christmas? I mean, it, I guess maybe you don't strike me as a, as a live it up party type of guy, but maybe I could be wrong. Um, well, you didn't know me in my younger years. But, <laughs> uh, actually, I'm just going to be a homebody for Christmas. Um, uh, went out and bought a honey baked ham and we're going to, you know, fix that up with all the fixings and probably open up a bottle of champagne. And I'm, one thing you guys probably don't know about me is I'm uh, a little bit of a wine connoisseur and I've got a fairly extensive uh, uh, wine cellar. So, um, you know, that, that's usually fun on the holidays. But normally this time of the year, I am out in Massachusetts um, visiting relatives and uh, usually out on an outside ring skating with the, uh, the nephews and, uh, um, and doing that sort of thing. But, um, you know, obviously this year travel plans are out and um, uh, so I'll be a homebody this year. Nick, it never fails. Imagine that. My last question always is a follow-up question, and I've got two of them here. Number one, Bill, how good are you on the ice rink? Really, is Brett Larson going to give you a phone call? And number and number two, we had Dave Shyak on a couple weeks ago, speaking of coaches, and he's a bit of a wine guy himself. Um, are you a red wine guy, a white wine guy? What's your kind of go-to wine? Or what's in the if if Nick and I are coming over to hang out at the Proud household, what's the wine that you're pulling out of the cellar for us to uh, sample? Uh, to be honest with you, I wouldn't go with a, a California cab because for some people that's a little too uh, bold. Uh, probably what I would do is I'd pull out a nice bottle of Bordeaux, a blend, you know, Merlot cab blend, something that's, you know, smooth, aged a little bit, and uh, introduce you to uh, introduce you to red wine. I am a red wine guy, but on a nice hot day in the summer, I do like to drink some Chardonnay or, uh, um, you know, or a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, but uh, I would, uh, if I had you over um, uh, as a guest, I would be feeding you some red wine. I, I think that's a good description of Nick. Uh, smooth yet aged. I think that's a good description. You know, I, and if most people know this about me, but uh, Bill, I'm actually quite the wine snob myself. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, before, uh, I guess, you know, in my current uh, dealings outside of the uh, the, the hockey world, uh, I did a, spent a lot of time in restaurants, actually. And one of, uh, actually, my, my jobs was uh, actually a bar manager. And the, this uh, restaurant I was at, uh, they... Uh, they had the wine list that was over 82 uh, different uh, bottles. So you talk about, you know, Bordeaux from France or, you know, a good solid California red uh, Cabernet. Those are kind of up my alley. Um, you know, and I think, you know, for Chardonnays, you know, for, if you really want a Minnesota twist, uh, Bill, just because you might know this, I'm, I know you know the, probably the winery uh, Murphy Good, right? Yes. Okay. So they have this white wine, and I believe it's a, a kind of a affliction up of a Chardonnay. It's called, uh, it's called Minnesota Cuvée. And it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, these winemakers, first of all, they are Minnesota residents, even though the winery is based in California. The tip of the wine bottle is a purple wrapping, purposely to be Vikings fans. But the wine itself is actually kind of fun because they actually age their Chardonnay in Minnesota oak. So that's some more of this smoky uh, campfire type flavor. Yes. It's really, really good. Um, and I don't know, just from a Minnesota perspective, I don't know, when you sip that wine, it, just, it kind of, it seems more Midwest than it does maybe, say, Southeast Pacific uh, Coast. But uh, uh, wine, yes, definitely uh, like that. Um, but no, let's, let's get away from wine a little bit. Uh, I kind of I cut you off a little bit there. 
Um, you know, let's go into some of the more, uh, I guess, Christmassy things, you know, because I know Bill talked about that for, for me. Um, usually, my dad's side is uh, he's one of seven kids. So uh, it's usually 30 people over at my, uh, his parents' house, so my grandparents' house. And uh, uh, they're very, very close to uh, kind of a very uh, popular uh, area here in Minnesota. They're basically a block south of Bloomington Ice Garden there uh, in West Bloomington. It's a rink that I spent a lot of my younger years uh, growing and developing my game. So uh, it's usually over there. And then they are right next to a city park. So it was usually a family uh, hockey game that was played on that uh, ice rink. Uh, unfortunately, with the blizzard-like conditions, and uh, I don't really think a Twin Cities rink has ever been flooded yet. I don't think we're going to be on the ice at all, but uh, maybe some mini sticks. I got some uh, some nephews and nieces that are getting a little bit older, and uh, I know you need something to kind of uh, expel their energy from, so maybe we might do some, um, some stuff in the basement this year with a they're, much smaller family. They're probably about your height by now, I'd say, right? Uh, there's not much that, uh, you know, can go over you know that so yeah that's that's a, that sounds about right i'm still waiting for the surgery to insert the phone books on my feet but uh we'll, we'll work from that so what it's, about you actually since you know the guy who's you know pretty much if you were just to kind of give a part of north dakota to canada you're basically a canadian <laughs> resident uh so what does noah grant do on his holidays and you know besides I, I don't even know what you do anymore just because you, you often train your Alexa to make fun of me. Um, you're basically uh, what well, you're moving too, So you got that yeah. coming up. And then uh, number three, I mean, I just, what you're, you're just trying to, you know, show me up in some MLB, the show and some other mm -hmm. things. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of disappointed. Uh, I shouldn't say disappointed, but uh, if any of you are hardcore gamers, the cyberpunk release has been less than stellar to the gaming world. So I've been kind of disappointed by that, but uh, um, no, I mean, there's only three of us up here. So normally we just kind of hang out. Uh, we have had waffles and eggs for Christmas dinner before again, applicable to Thanksgiving. It's applicable to Christmas too. So we had biscuits and gravy last night of all things too. So I think it's going to be steaks for us though. Uh, Ribeyes medium rare, or it's not a steak. Um, is going to be on our plates uh, for holiday Christmas. Uh, normally, I would, you know, in my younger years, I'd be skating at the rink and that sort of thing or out in the pond. Of course, we have a pond and a lake next to where I live uh, right down the hill here. So normally I'd be skating, but we're just going to like Bill. We're going to be homebodies. Uh, we're going to have some white wine, not not red wine, um, but probably just a Riesling, something simple. We don't have many, many go to's, I think, for North Dakota. We're lucky if we get wine at all. So, uh, um, yeah, we're just going to hang out and not really do anything very, very interesting, Nick. Uh, I mean, yeah, isn't that prototypical North Dakota? Very, very, very boring. Although I will say, can I, can I put this out here? I'm going to, he called me a coward. So I'm going to put this out here. Go Huskies. Woo. Not all people from North Dakota are bad. All right, man. We're all right. Okay. We might not have our, have our wits and political agendas in order, but we're all right over here. All right. So <laughs> I just got to say we're okay. Um, but yeah, no, we're just hanging out. I mean, Bill, I see you perking up in your seat. Do you have an opinion on North Dakota people? I mean, how do you, how do you feel about us? <laughs> no, what I was going to say is I was going to ask you how far uh, Botno is from Minot. Botno from Minot is about an hour and 15 minutes. Although if you drive like my mom, it's about less than an hour. Um, so I, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's funny because if I drive from my home here to St. Cloud, it is seven hours, but if I drive from Minot to St. Cloud, it is still seven hours. The distance actually doesn't change because of the diagonal way that Botno and Minot are. So I'm still still half a day's jog from going to see any game at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. But uh, as we sit right now, I am about a five-minute walk south 
of the Canadian border. So I'm pretty darn close to uh, about 10 minutes from the International Peace Gardens. So about an hour south of where Dave Shyak is from in Brandon, Manitoba. And uh, how far from Drayton? Drayton, I don't, not familiar. Is there any, is there anything that's close to there that was, is bigger that I would recognize? That's the thing with North Dakota is you can name a small place like Minto. And I, if you don't know exactly where Minto is, you know, if you're not one of five people that <laughs> are in Minto, um, is there any you're getting, town? You're getting uh, uh, very close to the border and it is the catfish capital of North Dakota. Is so. it, is it west, west or east of Minot? Um, I believe it would be east of Minot. Yeah. Okay. And maybe it's up by like Antler and stuff like that. That's the thing. When you start naming towns in North Dakota, if you don't know the five main ones, you're pretty much out of luck. That's the thing with North Dakota. It's funny. I was on a trip once. Speaking of North Dakota, I was on a trip to Florida and the guy in Miami asked me, he goes, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from North Dakota. He says, oh, do you guys have windows in your houses or do you just have the dirt hills without the windows? And I'm like, well, we actually do have like air conditioning and lights and running water in our place. So uh, North Dakota is not as bad as they make it out to be. But as I have to clarify many times in this show, I am the farthest thing from a University of North Dakota fighting Hawks fan as you can possibly be. So I am not a fighting Hawks fan. Let's make that clear right now. You know what? I got to say this, Nick, too. And I know we're running way over time here, but that's okay. Uh, it's the holidays. Uh I have to say, I only spent a year and change at St. Cloud State University. And the impression, you know, I grew up a Gophers fan. And like when I was watching games, you know, in the pod, I, you know how like when you're a kid and you grow up and, you know, your team scores on TV and you jump up and, you know, you give a clap or whatever, you give a fist bump and you kind of cheer and like audibly make some visible reaction, right? You know, I was doing that throughout the entire pod. And I know people say, well, yeah, you know, you cover the Huskies, but it's like, I like I've really become really kind of endeared a little bit to Husky culture and that sort of thing. And I kind of have Bill to thank for that because I remember, and I don't know if you do bill my first ever official event that I covered for the Huskies uh, for the university Chronicle uh, was actually the puck drop breakfast last year. Mm -hmm. And you were one of the first people that I actually ran into. Cause I, I met you and you were the one who introduced me to, uh, um, to uh, who did you introduce me first? I'm having a, Oh, I'm trying to think, uh, um, who did the old guy just, wow. Yeah, no, I got it. Jim, Jim Erickson and Dave Reichel. That's that, that's who he introduced me to. And then of course I met Brett Larson, that sort of thing. Do you remember that? Um, I guess, do you remember that moment of kind of seeing this young, I don't know, scared kid or whatever, not knowing exactly what he was doing and thinking that, wow, I'd be on his show as a podcast in episode number 42. I mean, is it, am I the only one who thinks it's surreal? Because I, I think that I think everything is surreal when it's all said and done, but uh, you, you just, uh, you know, just seemed like a very social guy and uh, very friendly. And, uh, and I loved your enthusiasm about St. Cloud State hockey. And, uh, you know, anybody that's interested in talking uh, SESU Huskies hockey is, uh, you know, is good by me. Sure. I, yeah. I, w once again, uh, Nick, I'll, I'll hand it off to you, but Bill, from myself and from Nick and from everyone who listens to the Huskies Warming House podcast, um, through all the things, not only that we've talked about on screen, but some things that we've had off the screen that you've been able to support us as well with, um, we truly do thank you because our ability to be able to sit here around Christmas time and do this, this doesn't happen without the guy that's sitting underneath Nick and I on your screen if you're watching the YouTube edition or who has been talking with us in the audio version. I mean, we, we truly and truly thank you uh, for being a part of this. So, Nick, I guess I'll kick it over to you and uh, whatever you want to do. So, 
Wow, he gives me that freedom. That's interesting. Um, I, I think it's first. I, I think I have to piggyback off Noah again. Uh, again, Bill, we, we we can't thank you enough for for, for the contributions that you've had uh, with our podcast, our, our listeners, and again uh, to be able to chance to you know it's December twenty third. Uh, there's a blizzard outside, and yet the the thing that I look forward to most when I get off of work or a class is to be able to to talk hockey and uh, for. Uh, you to come in and to provide us with some of the, you know, the ability to have some of the guests that we've had on uh, to really, you know, just take us to the level that we, A, as envisioned from our standpoint, but also what I think is going to be uh, of value to the folks who watch slash listen. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. So again, uh, from uh, us here again at the Huskies Women's Podcast, couldn't thank you enough for everything you do um, and have contributed to us. So again, uh, great, much gratitude to you and and to Centerize View. Um Noah, just because, you know, you had a, I guess, an old guy moment there. I'm having an old guy moment. Uh, was there anything that we were missing on this episode or? I don't think, I don't think we are. If, if you're just made it this far and haven't shut us off quite yet, the reason we have uh, so many things to think about is this is our first show we've ever done actually, even before the pandemic that we had zero structure to. So uh, we're doing something a little bit different, but don't forget uh, before you tune into our next segment, we do have, like we mentioned next week or probably the week after is when we will start to split up the show and kind of figure out the logistics for that. So please bear with us. If you start to see random Huskies warming house podcast episodes, just flying on to your uh, mobile devices or if you're bill prout on your blackberry um so it, it's uh just kind of hang in there with us and uh we'll uh we're very happy that you uh chose to hang out with us in this holiday season nick i don't think we are missing anything so once again bill bill do you have any parting words before we bid you adieu oh i just uh i just want to wish you guys happy holidays and uh best wishes for the new year and uh thanks for the great job that you're doing on this podcast um you know, it's just very entertaining. I love listening to it every, uh, I listen to it on Sunday mornings and uh, uh, really enjoy it. Thanks a lot. And uh, it was a pleasure to be on with you guys again. And, uh, and again, happy holidays. Definitely going to have to talk with you again, Bill. And hashtag Go Huskies Woo. That'll do it for our first half of the segment. Stay tuned as we jump in right now to the Huskies Warming House podcast, best of 2020. Merry Christmas, everyone, from the Huskies Warming House podcast. It is Friday, December 25th. Nick's, uh, he's laying in bed, I think. Um, I just Pretty had close. a cup of, Yeah, I just had a cup of joe hanging out. Um, it, yeah, it is legitimately Christmas. We are not pulling your chain. We are hanging out on Christmas Day, uh, ready to bring you the best uh, of the 2020 year from the Huskies Warming House podcast. Some of our favorite interviews, uh, guests that kind of stood out to us, and some kind of Christmas things and other things that we're thankful for or that we've seen that... Uh, kind of piqued our interest, if you will, within our lifetimes, of course, Nick's lifetime, considerably longer than mine, Nick. I had to throw one of those in there at least. Nick, how are you doing on this Christmas morning? I know there's only three of us in my household. There's probably about 300 in yours from what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, not that many. Uh, there will be about 10 of us uh, later uh, here today celebrating, uh, but that's going to be a little bit later this afternoon. So there's a lot of food prep right now because we're going to be uh, doing some snacks and watching some Vikings football. Unfortunately, they're probably going to get killed <laughs> by the New Orleans Saints today. And uh, well, I'm kind of I kind of hope they do honestly because they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to miss the playoffs. And well, tank for a mid round pick, I guess. So 
<laughs> the Vikings haven't ever had any bad run-ins with the Saints before, have they? I mean, no, on. I don't think so. No history there at all. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so to give give people a little bit of perspective, again, we did mention it at the tail end of the previous episode, but we are going to remind you probably a couple times just so that you're aware. Uh, once this show is over next week, we are going to be splitting the show up and kind of uh, figuring out the logistics of that. So, again, bear with us as we kind of split up our guests and the rest of our show. But speaking of guests, Nick, Nick, let's jump in into our first interview our top we're going to do our top five interviews of 2020 we're going to start with number five and that's a story from a uh, former assistant coach of the men's hockey team mike gibbons who's now with bemidji state university uh, mike was a blast to have on and i uh, kind of told us a funny story about uh, recruiting and traveling through some caribou infested country if you will so without further ado mike gibbons funny recruiting stories you know how much time do you have you know i mean it, uh, there's i think every every recruiter has so many hilarious stories about the, uh, about recruiting and, and uh, you know i go back to one of the funny i was one of the funnier ones is actually i remember uh being in uh, with the austin mavericks and, and there was a yale recruiter that uh, tried to recruit me and and uh, you know after a game he was all excited and he kind of stopped stop me before i got to the locker room and he goes give me uh he goes he goes mike he goes you're just the kind of player we needed, Yale. He goes, let's meet for lunch the next morning. Uh, and I said, gosh, that's exciting. And so we met and at this at this restaurant, and he didn't seem quite as excited, you know. And he's like, uh, Mike, he goes, um, um, at Yale, he goes, you need pretty good grades. And I just met with your with your principal, and quite frankly, or Mike, he goes, we couldn't get you into Yale or crowbar, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I give that guy credit because, uh, you know, he still met with me, even though I couldn't get into Yale, but I did get into Bowie State, which is a, a great move, but on the recruiting trail for St. Cloud State, you know, one of the kind of the more interesting things for me was going overseas and, and I started, uh, you know, kind of going to Sweden first before I, you know, I really got into the, to the fans in Finland. Uh, because at the time Sweden, Sweden had a better hockey program. It was, you know, about that time Finland just started to take off, and I kind of go back and forth between Finland and Sweden. And uh, <clears throat> I remember making that drive from Sweden over to to Finland, and you know, you you I think it, I think you get about thirty miles from the Arctic Circle Circle as you travel uh, over. Uh, the what is that the the Finnish Sea or whatever the, the, the ocean is between Sweden and Finland and, and I remember the first time I, I saw a uh, a caribou on the road and I had to stop the car and look at it it's like and it's looking at me it's kind of funny and and it, I drive along a little bit and all of a sudden I see two or three caribou and that was amazing for me those big antlers and and I'd, I'd even get out of the car and, and look at them and drive around a little bit. All of a sudden, there was like hundreds and thousands in the road, and I'm honking my horn to get get off the road, you crazy animal. So that was kind of funny. But I remember traveling. Uh, I had to get to. I was in northern Sweden, and I had to get to uh, uh, Stockholm, which is, and I had to literally drive through the night to get there to watch Oliver Lordson play in in uh, downtown Sweden or Stockholm, and. I remember they had the moose warning signs and I'm like, yeah, whatever. You always see, you know, 
in Minnesota, you see a deer crossing sign. You're like, yeah, right. Um, and I, and I said, and I, the world's smallest rental car looked like a tin can. Uh, and I had to get to, to Stockholm. So, so I just get there. And I started out going about 50 miles an hour, looking all over for, for, for moose, you know, you know, and if this tin can hit a moose, we'd be in trouble. And I said, finally, there's no moose and they'd see the signs. And I said, you know, screw it. I'm just, I'm just going to get there. So I accelerated about 80, 85 miles an hour. And just as I started going, I literally, uh, there is the head of a moose with antlers that was, that missed me by about literally inches on my left. And it was the most afraid I've ever, my heart just started beating. I'm going, this is, <laughs> if I would hit that guy, I, I, I guess they die all the time on that, that uh, interstate between Northern uh, Sweden and Stockholm. And, and I said, wow, this is crazy. So I slowed back down I'd learned my lesson. And, um, you know, but again, I kind of had to get there and I got impatient. I picked her back up again. And I said, I got the high beams on. And uh, I guess, I guess moose don't have that stuff in their eyes where you can see them is what I was told later. So I had to get there and I started to pick it up again. And, but I'm looking, looking to my left, looking for that moose. And, and sure enough, all of a sudden on my right side was a moose's rear end. And I was looking to, to the to the left for the you know the moose. This guy, this guy was on the other side, so that was probably the, the second most afraid I've ever been in my life because I missed him by just a couple inches. But I ended up getting uh, uh, to watch Oliver Lordson, and 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 I think he was our first European that we ever got. So it was a, he was an interesting player and a great kid. Uh, um, and he, he kind of, he was such an impressive person that uh, uh, he added so much to the locker room that uh, it's, it's like we could always use, a, you know, uh, another one like him in our locker rooms. You know, he kind of motivated us to, uh, uh, to open up the European, you know, expansion for St. Cloud State. Kind of funny. I actually, I remember the first time I met you, I think it was actually after a practice. Uh, you guys were getting ready to eat some food and I was getting ready for some media thing. And you were like, yeah, it's nice to have good food again. I'm sick of eating gas station burgers, you know, on the road recruiting. And I'm like, gosh, I would love to eat gas station burgers on the road recruiting <laughs> one hockey team. But kind of kind of cool, interesting story. Yeah. Nick, always a pleasure to sit down with Mike. Uh, probably hopefully going to have him on again, maybe after he's officially done with his career. I know we touched on that a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll, kind of funny to hear him talk about uh, his travels and that sort of thing. Uh, speaking of our guests, though, Nick, as, before we jump to number four, uh, I kind of am curious. I know that we have a lot of, obviously, guests on the show. We've had a guest in episode three and four, and then from episode 12 on, onward, we've had someone on every week, starting with Brett Larson in episode number 12. But is there a particular guest or I guess a trio of guests, if you will, and I hesitate to use the word favorites because we love all of our guests. We love people that come on, but there are just some people that naturally we just we strike up a conversation with or it just seems very fluid and very easy for us to get along with that person. That's just human nature. Uh, do you have three uh, quote unquote favorite guests, if you will, that kind of stuck out to you as far as uh, our podcast and interacting with them? I would think so. Uh, first, Ben Holden, CBS. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, ben, again, spending a day with him uh, last February again, uh, uh, kind of uh, shadowing his role as the play-by-play -play voice of CBS College Hockey. Uh, just an overall really good dude. And uh, uh, again, you know, I think you know he's a guy that 
you know, with his experience and just his personality, just a uh, very, very good guy to talk to. That That's one of mine. Uh, I actually really did also enjoy Moscow's interview, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Moscow's a guy where, I mean, there's so much that intrigues, I think, the St. Louis State fan base about Bob Moscow and certainly the transition from uh, this university to the University of Minnesota. And you really got the sense of just how much he cares about his players and how much he cares about his programs that he's there. Um, it's no question to see why the University of Minnesota right now currently is number one in basically all the polls. That team is playing some really good hockey, and you can just tell that he's a committed human being. And we got a lot of that in his answers, and I think that was just really, really cool. Another guest that I think is you know, a run-up top three, and, and great to know, I think it's hard to really pick three definite mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah. But I think just in terms of the story, in terms of just the, the inspiration, Janine Alder, um, to me, was a really, really good guest just because of uh, just – the story and the things that she's had to deal with and just how open she was and, you know, just the how, every step of the way, how to, from when everything set into the things that she had to go through to get back to where she was and contemplating some things about the future. Uh, Jeannie, just a, a very inspirational person and, and just how very intelligent and, in, and intellectual she is, uh, is very, was very, very cool. I really enjoyed the conversation with her as well. Um, Noah, I'm curious as to if you had a couple yourself uh, that has uh, stuck out to you during uh, the year 2020 from the folks we've had on. I do. And uh, you hit the nail right on the head talking about how this list of three is by no means, you know, definitive or comprehensive by any no. means. I mean, almost every one of our guests, we just love having them on. I uh, Truly and honestly, I only had one repeat one for you here, Nick. But before we get to that one, uh, one of mine, and this is m- probably more for not the on interview segment, but the off interview segment. And I think that that trend continues through my entire list. First one was Kevin Fitzgerald. I know we didn't sit down <laughs> for, for a long interview with him, but Kevin off the screen is even funnier than he is on the screen because of course uh, we try to keep it PG and Kevin has some very, very funny jokes. And of course, some of his teammates were kind of messing with him a little bit that day when he was down in the player lounge. So uh, Kevin was an absolute blast to have on. He kind of got gypped a little bit. I think, I don't know what we were doing that day with time management, but he only ran about 25 minutes. So I don't know, maybe we have to bring him back for another 10 minutes to give him another crack at the old can, if you will, played pretty well in the pod too. So you got to like that. Uh, Another person that stuck out for me, I, I, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's a default that media people are just, you know, easy to relate with a little bit, but I think it's just, you know, they're very articulate. So it's very easy for us to connect with us, a lot of commonalities. And for me, Jim Erickson was one of those people because we sat down, you know, and did the interview for about 45, 50 minutes with Jim. But then we sat down for what, probably a good two and a half hours after mm-hmm. we talked to him. And we just talked about life. We talked about broadcasting uh, and had a lot of good laughs there. And it was just a really nice end cap to kind of a dreary Wednesday as we were transitioning from fall into the winter months. So I thought that one was a lot of fun. Uh, the last one on my list, Nick, uh, and fittingly so, as you mentioned, was Ben Holden. And I think the reason that Ben stands out to me, besides the fact that he's uh, Ben Holden's going to do it, Ben Holden wants to do. I mean, he doesn't really have any restraint as far as like, you know, he's just going to be who he is. And I love that, you know, how he doesn't really change from off camera to on camera. But I think the other reason it sticks out is of course, when we follow through into the pod as well, uh, you know, he's a guy who interacts with us and genuinely, you know, we consider him a, a, a close friend of the show. And I think that that's something that, you know, for a guy who works at CBS to think about us as the, you know, the quote unquote little guys and, and you know, to want to come back on our show and that sort of thing. Uh, I, it just means a lot, I think, from my perspective. And 
very fittingly so. He's number four on our list as far as interviews are concerned. Talking about the setup for the NCHC pod, this one's probably the only more, I don't want to say controversial, but, uh, you know, we, we do talk about the pandemic a little bit in this interview. So uh, there is a reason for that because really he's actually talking about how uh, the NCHC pod was able to complete uh, what they had hopefully intended. So Ben Holden is our number four guest on this list. Yeah, it's, it's going to be strange. Um, but I think our country needs sports. I've said that throughout this whole thing. And I've said this too, guys, that I'm going to get a little patriotic here. We can do this as a country. And there's a lot of us that are doing it. What I mean by doing it is doing the right things. Don't go out and be an idiot. But, you know, we can't control people. Um, you know, it's just, and I've been out there for four weeks. You know, I've been on four, not four full weeks, but I've been on four trips. So I've been on the road 16 days in the last five weeks. Um, I'm pretty spoiled at West Point. We're basically on post. Um, there's not many people around. Um, so it's pretty easy to stay away. But some of the things I've seen on planes and heard on planes and seen in airports, we got a long way to go as a country. Um, sorry to go off on this tangent here a little bit, but it's just near and dear to my heart. And um, I guess with all that said, like I said a minute ago, I think we need sports. And, and this can be done if we do it the right way. And I believe, I don't know anything about the plan for the NCHC in terms, you know, the logistics of the plan. I'm not in, I'm not privy to that, but it'll be done right. And I, I think, that our fans need that. I think they need the outlet. Life's hard, man, for a lot of people. You know, it's tough. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, in your 40s, your 30s, your 20s. I mean, I got a 19-year-old son, and it's challenging. And so I just hope that games will be played. Um, I certainly hope that I'll be doing a lot of games, whatever that means. I don't know right now. Um, and I hope that all of us that are involved and love the sport can, can just get around it and get around it, whether it's doing it like this or watching games online or watching them on TV, whatever that is. I just think we need that. Our, 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 it just, it's important. It really is guys. Sorry. I get a little choked up when I, when I talk about that, but it just means a lot to me. And, and, and I just, I seen some things that just leads me to the point where I'm like, we got a long way to go. You know, um, I mean, I said to you, Nick, offline, you know, the last prior to doing football at Army on the 5th of September, I didn't call the game in six months. And it was you touched on it with Dave and I, you know, it was the 28th of February and I flew home the 29th. And I I'd heard a few things, you know, like, oh, there's this virus and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I've been flying on planes for a long time. You know, I feel like and none of us are invincible. Um, but, you know, jokingly, um, you know. I've been living in a Petri dish for a lot of years. So, you know, I feel, feel pretty good about that part, but it, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, but I guess, you know, my point on this is when I flew home that day after we hung out on the 28th, if you would have told me I would have sat, not sat, but been at home until the 3rd of September, I would have never believed you. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I've, I, I'm a grateful guy, guys. I'm a positive guy. And I'm even, I'm tenfold that now in both, both departments because I'm not going to let this beat me down. 
and I hope that it doesn't beat other people down, but I know it is beating a lot of people down. And, uh, you know, whether it's mentally, financially, physically, whatever it is, um, you know, I just, you know, I, the first game I did, man, I, I couldn't help but think about all the people that work in our field that, that haven't done it. I mean, I got chills talking about it with you guys. And it's, you just think about them. I mean, there's people I work with at CBS that haven't done a football game yet. So I'm just a grateful guy, and I appreciate everything I got. And I just, again, you know, we need college hockey. The players want to play. The coaches want to play. I know those that are making the decisions are going to do the right things. They're going to make sure everyone's as safe as possible. And that's first and foremost, the safety and health. No matter what we're doing in life, um, that's number one. And I, I'm confident in the people that run our league. Um, they're going to do a great job, whatever we do, man. But I'm ready to go, boys. Sorry, I got a little... A little emotional there on you, man, but I just, just mean And as always, Ben Holden, very grateful to have him on the show. And again, as you mentioned, Noah, beforehand, love to have him back again. Uh, a very just overall great character, very intelligent human being, and just a wonderful play-by-play -play broadcaster. Did an excellent job down there in the pod at Baxter Arena. Uh, just an incredible human being as well. Um, and that kind of gets us to the point. I mean, I know that, you know, what the NCHC pod and, and what the holidays, you know, there's definitely plenty of things to be thankful for, uh, even though 2020 in a, in a nutshell has been, uh, you know, quite the, uh, you know, up and down road to put it very lightly for some folks. So, uh, no, I'm curious, do you have any, you know, I guess three things that you're thankful for or for the year 2020 that you want to share to our viewers? Sure. Uh, the first one, uh, and not really direct re directly related to the podcast, but somewhat close is just college hockey in general, uh, being able to, especially the team that we cover, getting an opportunity to see them play nine hockey games. And then on the women's side, seeing them be able to play six games and experience it with the best fans in college hockey. I know we talk about that all the time, but uh, you know, the ability to be able to uh, essentially cover and showcase what we've been waiting all spring and summer for, I think is really, really exciting. So really, really happy uh, about that. Uh, the other thing that I, I am really thankful for is my family. And I know that's probably a very obvious one, but the reason I say that is because Nick, you know, as well as I do that, you know, I transitioned out of graduate school at the beginning of May and uh, you know, uh, not even a month later, I was in my new major. And now I just, you know, earned a scholarship getting ready to start uh, in January and move uh, back to a school that I've gone to before and start a, a almost a completely new career path. So for my family to be there with me and for them to kind of take me in for nine months during a pandemic and, you know, make accommodations for myself, who's now 24. And, uh, you know, they help chip in with my first pair of glasses that I'm wearing as well. So those little things, you know, they don't have to do that. I, you know, I don't need to be handed anything. So I'm very, very thankful for everything that they have uh, contributed for me. Uh, the last thing that I am thankful for here, Nick, this one might come as a shock to you. Are you ready for it? Are you sure you're ready for it? Do I need to put on the seatbelt? You might, to be honest <laughs> with you, because I don't think you've ever heard this for the number one thing that I am thankful for uh, this holiday season is the guy that's sitting on the screen with me, Nick, I am this, I know you're waiting for the cheesy moment here, but I, I'm, honestly, I I'm am. Waiting for, I'm waiting for the punchline, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're waiting to find out that you actually got punked. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I say, and I say that not, you know, in, in kind of a bromance, sappy sort of way, but, you know, you think about it, Nick, we've only known each other for probably about 14 months. I mean, and to think that, you know, our friendship has stemmed 
to you being, you know, willing to start this project that was, I don't even know if you want to call it a passion project, but just starting this podcast with me and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll do that once a week and we'll see where it goes. But to be able to do that through a pandemic, you know, you work like three jobs, you're going to school, I'm working to be able to, you know, make time for, you know, myself and my interests that align with your interests to bring content to our fans, you know, like, uh, this is honestly a dream come true. Cause when I growing up, everybody wanted to play in the NHL. I wanted to talk about college hockey and play college hockey. That was my dream. And I never got to do it at the division one level, but to be able to sit here and interact with our great guests, you know, like that, it, you know, you talk about how instrumental bill proud is. It definitely doesn't happen without a co-host that does so much for our stuff. So like, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, like, I am super thankful that you're here with me on this journey and that like you consider me a friend off the air too. We're not just business colleagues. You know, we genuinely connect on another level. So to, to, to gain a best friend that enjoys all the things that I do and we get to put out a product because of that, it's just incredible to me. So thank you. I, again, I set you up with terrible transitions. So what are, <laughs> what are your three things that you're thankful for? Cause I can't imagine I'm on the list. So <laughs> Well, let's see. I'm waiting for the water balloons and dry. <laughs> no, we're still good. Okay. <laughs> You're going to uh, get thank- sl- slimed later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, those are some good days, the Nickelodeon slime, yes. if that's what you're referring to. Yep. Um, but uh, I guess starting with number three, uh, I'm thankful again to our viewers because again, without them and you know us, you know, we talk about passion from, uh, I guess, doing the content creation standpoint you know we do this only also because we're fans too right so we we love the sport and we love interacting with the fans hearing their ideas their thoughts responding to them uh maybe take some that we don't maybe necessarily agree with and you know give an art take on them so uh really thankful to the fans that help drive us and keep our passion high especially like you mentioned during a pandemic where i mean we essentially had nothing to talk about really progressively for a while now we were able to really keep a conversation going that was informative uh fun and creative so again it doesn't happen without them uh number two this is kind of be kind of weird but thankful for a um anybody that's in the medical field and, and definitely the scientists um and the reason why i say that is this pandemic has been challenging for a lot of people um whether it be personally professionally um obviously students you know i mean the pen, tell me somebody that is not been affected at all by this pandemic. I mean, there's, we've all been touched in some way, some forth, some worse than others, again, with maybe uh, relatives having fallen ill or maybe some uh, falling, I guess, passing away from it. And with the medical staff that has to essentially go into the fire every single day, whether you work at the hospital, at a clinic, um, having to deal with patients here and there. And then the scientific community where now we have a vaccine and a couple of them that are now being distributed here in the U.S. that uh, essentially in almost an unfathomable timeline, Noah, to have Mm -hmm. these things developed and then approved. um, Without them, now we're seeing at least a little light at the end of the tunnel where now the frontline workers are actually starting to get their vaccines. It's a two-part vaccine, um, but it's helping us look ahead to maybe June or July and, and say, we might actually get to the point where we're over the hump a little bit and permanently, right? Potentially. So we still don't know, obviously that, but without them, there isn't any hope or there isn't maybe any sort of, you know, I guess, treatment that we can look forward to say, 
at some point we can get back to normal. So we got to be thankful for them. You, you know, you know, normally I wouldn't interject. Uh, I shouldn't say normally I wouldn't, I interject all the time, but I do want to interject for the specific purpose that like that one is also a near and dear thing for both of us. You know, you have a significant other who's in the medical field. You know, I have my mother, my aunt, my other aunt and my cousin who are all nurses, you know, and I'm going into the medical field as well. And, you know, my mom just got her vaccine on Wednesday and, you know, like she cried on the way home, you know, because of the challenges and everything, you know, that they've had to deal with. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's important for people to know that, you know, I, I really appreciate that comment because even when you look on TV and you hear all these things, all these medical people are going through this or they did this, you know, those stories, they, they almost quote unquote get old, if you will, just because we're exposed to them so much. But Truly and honestly, from those of us who experience it like you and I do firsthand or secondhand, if you will, it takes a toll on families and the stuff that they've had to go through is is very, very immense. So I really appreciate that comment. And I just wanted to put that out there because it's very, very impactful for you and I and people who have to interact with people or know people in the medical field. So Correct. And at the end of it, we're all going to be, you know, at some point in our lifetime, I mean, tell me something that doesn't come up with some kind of medical thing. You know, for some of us, it's a pandemic. Others, it's, I want you to call it the more normal aging stuff. Um, but, you know, at some point you're going to have to, you know, come to the services of a medical professional and, you know, they're called to be in a higher duty scenario, like we are in a pandemic. And again, without these great minds and these very brave people that have to go in to essentially a fire, not knowing, you know, how to put it out per se for at least the first nine or so months here um that that's that tells you just kind of where we're at i don't think that point especially that gets you know really communicated enough and again we owe a great deal to those people again developing the vaccine as well but taking care of everybody from march until today um again just can't really thank them enough um but number one uh actually no one is you um, and, and so I, I don't have a lever where I could pull down and there's confetti. I know there's, there's no, there's no slime coming down. Um, that'd be a really long, uh, fishing line at the trail from here all the way to, uh, <laughs> to Botno, North Dakota. Um, but I do remember, and this is why it's kind of impactful for me because we both are very passionate human beings about the game of hockey. Right. And I do remember, I didn't know it was you the first time, but the first exhibition game for men's I was doing, uh, that the television part of it for Husky Productions, you were doing the radio version of it. And I we walked by each other and I don't think we know who it was. And I, I think you remember saying this to me off the air a couple of times that you looked at me and you were scared of me. I'm like, dude, I'm five, nine. Like you don't have nothing to be scared of because you're like over six feet tall. So, um, but it was the first, it was either the weekend after that or two weeks after we did our yeah. first uh, game together. Northeastern, Northeastern. Northeastern, yes. Yeah. And it was one of those deals where when you connect as hockey people, it's just like that. You can call it a bromance. You can tell, you can call it like a brother from another mother. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> what was supposed to be probably like a, maybe a 15 minute pregame ended up turning into a 30 minute pregame. And it was like the most natural information, like filled pregame show that we've ever done. And it just, it was just like, we clicked right away. Right. And at the end of it, again, we took on this project back in January. In fact, we wanted to do the video of this right away. We actually had more people that herb. were yeah. at the herb. We still have, we might have to do that sometimes. I still have some footage from that to, uh, to kind of like the first episode that we tried. Um, and the reason kind of 
almost the pandemic helped us know was, you know, we, we had this really great ambition to do almost like a sports center three camera thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it would take certainly more than us two to be able to pull it off. And we had that initially, and then we didn't, we still tried it with the two of us. We actually had a pretty decent recording yeah. with the two of us, but when the pandemic hit, we switched back to all audio and we did something, I guess, similar to this. And then we came back to video and it's almost essentially uh, gave us an opportunity to really grow it in a way that was like, I guess, more natural because, you know, I, I don't know if this show would have sticked as easily uh, if nobody else was doing it the way we're doing. So um, again, but uh, thankful for all the work that you do um, for, for definitely allowing me to be able to talk about hockey, whether it's college or NHL, you know, every single week. And uh, yeah, man. I, I, rem I remember on a last tangent before we get back to our, we have three more interviews to get to. Uh, and two of them are, <laughs> two of them are quite lengthy, not quite lengthy. They're, they're a little around 10 minutes, I should say, but uh, I, I remember when we recorded our first quote unquote episode down at the herb, cause we were talking about Matt Dumba and the trade potential for the Minnesota wild. And you set up these cameras. And of course the space was a lot more limited than we had expected, but I remember setting in front of it and you're like, yeah, you just look at the camera when you're talking to the camera. And I remember being, <laughs> I remember being just terrified. I'm like, Oh, so I just, I just look at the camera that nobody's there. I just look and I talk to the camera. You're like, yeah, don't look at me. And I'm like, but I want to look at you. You're the one that's supposed to be helping me. And you're like, no, you just look at the camera. I just, I remember being just terrified. So like, so like you're sitting there, you know, and you're like, you know, Matt Dumba, obviously, you know, he's a big part of the Minnesota Wild. You're just sitting there, you're sitting back in the chair, you're relaxed. And I'm, and I'm in the, you know, in the other seat on the right. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, Matt Dumba, he's, he's something else. We should probably find that clip that, yeah, the other problem is if anybody knows anything about video editing, each of those four, it's almost like 4k resolution, if you will, uh, each mm -hmm. of those video clips, it was only a 45 minute segment. Each of those is like three or four gigabytes a piece. So uh, that's a lot of work, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> sorry that we couldn't bring this to you from the herb. Uh, we had some complications, if you will. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to say that, but uh, it's, it's a, uh, is it Janine? Uh, it is, is the it is Janine. And, it, and yes. it's funny, and it's funny that he, um, it transitioned into Janine because Janine was part of our early days as far she as, was, yes. uh, as, as far as the podcast was concerned. She was actually our very last episode and in interview episode number four in the first week of March, right before spring break, when the pandemic hit. So really excited to talk about, uh, to have this interview because I think it goes under the radar because most people listen to our later shows. I remember when she told this story and the second time that she was injured, she talks about it. This was actually, she, she took a slap shot to the head in practice during her senior year last year. And that's what kind of led to the second bout of what she's about to talk to. So we won't leave you in suspense with this interview, but for us, I remember sitting there, it was such an impactful thing. And we thank Janine very, very much for being willing to share that with us, especially in our early days of our career. So Janine Alder from episode number four. Yeah. And then you move it, you talk into kind of moving into a little bit of another piece that I know we do have to touch on uh, national team tournament. Uh, you are, uh, if, if you can remind me, I believe it's actually the topic of your second book as well. Kind of take us through the process for, for those who don't know, I believe that into a little bit of another piece that I know we do have to touch on uh, national team tournament. Uh, you are, uh, if, if you can remind me, I believe it's actually the topic of your second book as well. Kind of take us through the process for, for those who don't know, I believe the term that you use uh, is seizure epilepticus is that correct so it's called a uh, status epilepticus okay. which is such like a prolonged seizure where you can get out of 
it yourself. So a normal um, epileptic seizure usually lasts a couple minutes. You're unconscious and you can get out of it yourself. Um, but mine was a status which you can't get out of it yourself. So I believe you said this happened during the national tournament uh, I can you kind of take us through a little bit of I know it touches on what the book is about a little bit but just kind of take us through that process what that event was like and kind of how it occurred and how the events processed yeah so it was uh, during the IHF world championship uh, in 2019 last year and um, we faced uh, the US national team in that Sunday game and I know that it's gonna be a tough game because they're, they're a strong team they're a big nation and so I was drinking a lot of water throughout the day and this gave me some kind of disbalance in my body with sodium levels and during the game I was sweating a lot and so um, this whole it's, it's kind of called like hyponatremia so I was low in, in sodium and this caused the seizure essentially after the game take us through the emotions as you know you hear the, the medical jargon you, you hear about what it does but from your perspective did you know did you have a sense that something was coming or did you know from a lot of folks I know that every experience is different but take us through what it what that process was to go through and just your emotions during that time yeah so I, I, I was fine after game I was sad about like the result though I was just trying so hard to to get some kind of like a decent result out of, the, out of the game I didn't give up at all and so after the game I was just sad and um, then sooner as we left for the hotel I felt very nauseous so I felt weird and I was like maybe either I can go and throw up and, and get rid of it and it'll be fine and I can eat or just eat something and I'll be fine but as soon as I sat down at the dinner table um, the whole thing just like crashed and and I, it overcame me and I lost control of my body completely so yeah and you talked about a little bit to the family perspective as well uh, can you kind of take us through your parents reaction and kind of the, what the time was like I believe uh, was it in the hospital in Finland is that correct exactly you know, I, um, I think it was like the toughest for my surroundings because for myself I was in the situation of they needed to help me and um, after a certain point that night I was sedated so I I, I was asleep and my surroundings were probably suffering the most especially my parents about not knowing what what happens or what happened and will this ever be getting better again or what kind of situations they're in right now and uh, yeah, it was it was a tough situation especially for my parents and that's why I wrote the book especially for them too. I think it's important to discuss you know the perspective change so I know what especially when you know because especially as a young, you know, a young adults, you know, you don't normally go through these types of things. You hear about them maybe from people who are older or others, and then but when you go through something like this, there's definitely something that you just you look at things differently. Do you feel like you are looking at life, hockey, and just your future outlook any differently since that incident? Absolutely. So I was just talking to our assistant coach a couple of days ago. Um, you 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 never like in life you never ask for adversity because why would you? But then just life gives you adversity so you can grow as a, per as a person and I feel like I I was able to grow as a person during that time because I was able to physically recover from it and now getting a different perspective on my life here as well and like sitting on a bench and seeing everything from the outside helped me to actually like accept that 
there might be life after sports and I need to approach if I want to continue playing I need to approach it differently so I don't get too much of like sucked into the sport so nothing else can can take place in my life did it did it was there an initial like when you obviously your senior season didn't appear in as many games but how difficult was it for you to watch from the bench in from those initial um, recovery efforts from from that game yeah so maybe I need to explain so over summer I was able to recover to a certain amount to a certain point and I felt ready for the senior senior season to take on and and I but as soon as I arrived on campus again in August it was I was I was overloaded with stress and I couldn't process the stress that I feel here as much as I was able before and so I um, I suffered a second seizure in October which then led into the question of why these seizures are happening because I I basically recovered fully. And so over Christmas break, we were able to do tests at home and we finally figured out that um, the, the severe seizure in April caused the long-term damage that needs to be treated. And that gave me some kind of peace because I was, I was finally relieved about like knowing what truly is wrong with me right now and so I was able to to hopefully serve the team in the best kind of manner that I was able to do for this season as a captain yeah you you appear uh, you appear October 20th in Minnesota you play a game a really close game actually a game that you you guys had a really strong chance of winning at Ritter Arena then you have the event happen in practice uh, you don't return until senior day against Duluth you play the last six and a half minutes of that game record six saves uh, perfect at the end of that game uh, how important was it for you to be able to experience that moment and just jump in the blue paint one more time I, I, I didn't expect it at all so coach was he didn't tell he didn't tell me anything beforehand because he didn't know about the result of the game and so a couple minutes into the third period assistant coach came to me and asked me if I would like to play the last five minutes and and I was just like if, if that's okay with the whole team I would like to do that and I'd like to show my parents too that I'm fine and th that I can go back and play and that I need to approach the game from a different aspect that I I, I give myself the chance to play again and so it was it was an awesome experience and again thank you to Janine Alder just uh, again a very passionate story uh just incredibly impactful um as you mentioned before noah and just an overall just a really good human being she is playing hockey uh, over back in uh, switzerland so good for her to be back on the ice and hope she's staying healthy uh, through all this but uh, on a lighter note noah it is christmas day it's, again we're recording this and uh there's a couple of traditions i think most people have and that is there's a, there's certainly a couple of christmas movies that uh i think we everybody watches either it's every year or maybe even you stick some in after thanksgiving to kind to get yourself under the holiday spirit um i'm curious to know your three most uh favorite holiday movies that maybe you either play every single year or maybe it's a christmas day tradition tell me what those movies might be sure i'll start on the dark end of this a little bit i uh, this is a movie that probably i don't know would be in most people's top three but i love the storyline and i love the various adaptations of it and it's one that i've always enjoyed as a kid i uh, but the Probably the best depiction of that, as far as the modern day is concerned, is 2009's A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey and essentially Ebenezer Scrooge and talking about that story. I, I always found that story fascinating ever since I was a kid. That's probably just a little, I don't know, nostalgia, if you will, that came to life in uh, 
3D, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you will. So uh, I always enjoyed that movie. Uh, number two, going back to my childhood again, Nick, The Polar Express with Tom Hanks as the lead in that one, or one of the leads, I should say. I always liked that movie just because it's a real, you know, especially for kids and parents alike, alike just a really good feel-good Christmas movie. I, I always liked it. And I think as a kid, you know, I used to have the Polar Express book and that's what I started with. And then that movie came out about a year later after I got the, after I got the book. So it all just kind of transcended very, very nicely. Number one on my list, Nick, um, as much as I love home alone and home alone should probably be in this list, a Christmas story, that movie just gets me something fierce, absolutely funny watching him stick his tongue and get it frozen on the pole, watching him almost shoot his eye out with the BB gun. That is just a <laughs> fantastic movie. And I like that movie as well, because that's one of my dad's favorite movies as well. So uh, um, a really good family bonding moment there. Um, Nick, I'm curious to hear uh, what your three ones are. As I try to squint, for those of you that are listening to the audio podcast, uh, if you haven't if you don't know, if you're watching the YouTube version, you are noticing by now. Uh, I have a I have a door uh, that is in the porch that I'm sitting on that doesn't have a blind, so um, I'm a little blinded myself right now. So Nick, I'm going to listen to your story, but I probably won't watch you tell it if that makes sense. Good, you don't have to see my my face there for a little bit. So maybe you're actually uh, liking this segment. Uh, number three, uh, I, I guess I only have one really childhood one. That one is uh, the you know. A, I guess the, the Christmas, uh, Charlie Brown, uh, yep. I, the old Charlie Brown ones are good. Um, the Christmas tree still gets me, man. You know, it's just, you know, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but, and it's funny because they've kind of become a, a weird kind of like a, a I guess, fashion trend this year, yeah. I, I guess I uh, was at target and some others are kind of selling those. And, um, you know, again, uh, just a very classic tale. Um, I've always liked, you know, even the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, you know, those were always kind of a, again, with the Thanksgiving one. So, um, any of the Charlie Brown holiday ones were always a, a good one for me to watch. Uh, Home Alone 2 is my second one. Yeah. And it's two just because the New York one, I think just it takes things up a little another level. Um, again, with the apartments and then being in the big city, um, the fireworks show at the end. Uh, there's some pretty <laughs> funny moments. Um, and again, I think Joe Pesci, who was you know, the pretty much as far as his cinematic career goes, you know, kind of the uh, you know, absolute mobster. And obviously you realize that now as an adult, but at the end, he's like, this is this short, really high pitched guy that seems to be <laughs> walking into every single trap. And then of course, Marv uh, at the ultimate goofball. So uh, I guess that one was always a good laugh. But speaking of laugh, number one, I'm sure I'm not alone in this list, and that's going to be National Lampoon's Christmas <laughs> Vacation starring Chevy Chase. There's yeah. just so many good moments um, uh, you know, in that show. It just, it, it, I mean, you can almost have an, an entire show dedicated to, to that movie. Uh, just the, the neighbor rivalry, just when the, uh, the, uh, the uncle or the, you know, the uncle comes around and, uh, you know, of course, you know, there's every stereotype between, uh, you know, the old aunts and aunts, you know, wrapping up the cat as a Christmas present, you know, so many things going wrong with the Christmas tree. Uh, just, it's just polarity it's every single movie. second. It's such a good movie. And, uh, that's actually one that we no question watch every single year on either Christmas Eve or Christmas day. Yeah. I, that's a good movie too. I don't know what it is. I, I, I love actually comedy movies, but uh, I, I guess when I think about Christmas, I don't know what it is. Maybe I just don't think about the comedic side, maybe because they're just maybe go-tos and I, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, I think earlier in the segment too, you mentioned how, uh, you know, our ages and that sort of thing. Uh, when you had talked about brother from another mother, it made me think about when you were talking about your childhood for Christmas, I'm thinking like, that's a good 
10, 15 years before mild childhood. I don't know if it's brother, <laughs> I don't know if it's brother from another mother, more like, you know, father and son relationship here, but, uh, well, uh, it's brother. You, you were just, you were the accident child. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, speaking of two not so children who, uh, um, <laughs> had some childish laughs though. I mean, we had a very, very good time with these two guests and easily could have been in both of our top three as well. Uh, that's Hannah Patrikis and Alyssa, um, Erickson at the time, but also Alyssa Winicky in real life, uh, real life. Does that make sense? Anyway, so <laughs> they were number two on our list. And uh, because Hannah Patrikis is the only person to this point on the Huskies Warming House podcast still to drop the ultimate F-bomb, but the story was just that good that I think it deserves the number two spot on our list. So Hannah Patrikis and Alyssa Winicky. Um, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, kind of transitioning to, uh, I know you guys probably have some stories about uh, your playing days actually at St. Cloud State. <laughs> A very odd one that I noticed, uh, Hannah, your pregame ritual, you had to eat chocolate before coming. <laughs> that is that a thing? Uh, maybe you guys had a, a couple of bus trips that were kind of interesting. Um, whoever wants to start, do you guys happen to have any pretty fun stories um, being, being line mates for quite a few years on that team? I'll start only because Lister made my dream come true. Our very first, my very first game on campus. Uh, it was an exhibition game. Who the heck were we playing, Les? Wasn't it like Korea or something? Wasn't it like some international that was, a, that was a different. That was a different year. Um, Shoot, I don't remember. Oh, we were playing the Whitecaps. That's who we were oh, playing. Okay. We are playing Minnesota Whitecaps my freshman year. Little baby Hannah out there. I'm scared because – and then I'm like exhausted after the first shift. I'm like, okay, no one prepared me for this. But I get on a line with Lister, which was funny. Uh, Ruder had been talking to us for, like, the weeks before. It was, like, the very first day he put us on a line together for, like, stupid he lines knew. during practice. And he was like, oh, my gosh, it's meant to be. <laughs> so he puts us on a line together. And uh, I think it was in the third period. Um, Lister ends up, like, picking a puck from the player at the blue line. And we go down on two-on-one. And Lister, if, if you get the right camera angle, it's actually a sick pass. Lister makes this beautiful, like, if you pulled out your protractor, the angle on this sauce was, like, absolutely perfect. Sauces it over the T-stick, and I one-time it in. And then, obviously, the ref had to ruin my celly because she ran right into me and I fell over. But, nonetheless, it was a sweet pass, sweet goal. I knew from that moment on there was just too many good things to come. Alyssa, I, I feel like uh, um, you might have a special honor on this show, potentially. Uh, do you happen to remember a certain bus trip uh, and a certain sweep that might have happened? Uh, I don't know how you, how you want to tell this story, but it was pretty interesting to listen to it pre-show. Yeah, <laughs> so um, Hannah might have to help me out a bit with the exact wording. Um, but yeah, so we went on a long road trip to Lindenwood, who we wouldn't obviously nor normally play. I think it was like, how many hours was it, Hannah? Away. Gosh, I, I think it was 12 and it was Thanksgiving weekend yeah, yeah. so that was fun so we <laughs> did like our <laughs> we did like our team Thanksgiving dinner and stuff anyway so we went to Lindenwood um we had two games against them and we swept them so that was great and then a little bit of backstory I guess so our bus driver in St. Cloud who would drive our team all over he's the greatest guy ever his name's Ron I hope he hears this because I love Ron. <laughs> um, he would drive the men's team too. And my husband Blake says all the same stories that he was just the best guy ever. Um, so he would obviously be there driving us on, in the bus. So he'd come in and watch all the games. He knew all of our stats. He knew our record. He knew everything like more than what we would know. It was great. 
Um, so Ron was just a great team player. So we got on the bus to leave Lindenwood <coughs> after, <laughs> after playing them. And, and I don't remember his exact words, but he laid on the horn and the Hannah, what did he say? I don't even remember exactly. <laughs> he, it wasn't even like laying on the horn. It was just like nonstop yeah. laying, like for like a minute. And he, he back, he, and he's, as he's backing the bus out of the, the rink, and like, if you've ever been to Lindenwood, their current rink is like, <laughs> uh, it was probably worse than City Arena in downtown Detroit, like it was awful. So he's backing up, and as soon as he puts it in the drive, we're driving away, and he just goes, we just swept the f- out of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really great. <laughs> the best part, though, like that whole weekend, like Lister said, it was Thanksgiving, that actually put us at my, our fresh or my freshman year, Lister sophomore year. That put us on a seven-game win streak. So it wasn't even just like we swept them. It was like, holy crap, the St. Cloud State women's hockey team won seven games in a row. Like what? <laughs> That's unheard of. And so that was kind of the icing. But that, like I said, Thanksgiving, the weekend started off so sketchy. We left like on a Wednesday. And so we get, we're like slowly making our way. We, I think Wednesday night we like stopped and ate at like some like Ho-Chunk casino and had dinner in the casino. And it was like, we're like, where the heck are we? Stay the night at a hotel in like Reuter's hometown. We like had practice in Reuter's hometown. He's like about to start crying on the ice, telling us about how like he grew his family. He raised his family here. We're like, this is the weirdest week already. So then Thanksgiving (laughs) rolls around. And we're like, yeah, we're, we had practice. We're like, yeah, going to Thanksgiving dinner. Like, we're pumped. Like, what are we having? We pull up to a Best Western. And we're like, wait, oh. it's Thanksgiving. We actually had some pretty dang good food. It was a Best Western buffet. Like, they had, like, a big, like, light-up sign out, out, like, on the out front that was, like, Thanksgiving dinner buffet. Like, best food in town. I'm like, yeah, this town's pretty small. That's not saying a whole lot. But nonetheless, pretty good food. Left there, seven-game win streak. Not too shabby of a weekend. Nick, we're almost down to our last interview and our number one interview segment of 2020 for the Huskies Warming House podcast. But before we get to that, we have our last trio of uh, essentially a topic, a trio to get to as well. Uh, And that's uh, kind of our craziest gifts or best gifts that we've seen uh, within our lifetime a little bit. And once again, thank you to Hannah Patrikas and Alyssa Winicky for joining us uh, in that episode as well. I probably should give them kudos as well. But uh, it. I'm curious to know, you know, in your lifetime, which is more expanded than mine, what your uh, your (laughs) craziest gifts would have been. I mean, did you think a flip phone was a crazy gift back in your day? Because I I guess I don't really remember that that transition period. Uh, There. Uh, It probably would have been back in the day. Um, The motor razors as was the, you know, kind of the big popular flip phone because it, it had that very flat metal uh, I, I guess sheen to it. So you didn't have actual buttons you pushed. It was more like a touch sensitive thing. And it just had yep. that look uh, that was, I guess, really captivating. And the other one back in the day was the, uh, the T-Mobile sidekick. Uh, for those who didn't know, it looked almost like a Game Boy. And the screen, instead of like sliding up, it would flip up. So it just had that cool movement to it. I wasn't a, that cool kid back in the day. In fact, my parents didn't allow us to have cell phones at all, even before we were in high school, even when we started driving. So I was the kid without a cell phone through, uh, through high school. So but as far as three crazy gifts, first one I can think of, it was actually not just one that I received. It was one that uh, me and my three sisters all got. Um, I remember waking up and, and this was back in the stone age, uh, but uh, we go into the family room and there was not one, not two, but three 
Power Wheels cars that my parents had bought. I'm not sure how they were able to assemble these things, not wake anybody up and get them into the family room without anybody like hearing a peep. Um, but it was kind of cool because, I mean, uh, I personally got like a camo Jeep. Uh, my oldest sister got like a Barbie pink Corvette. And then my other sister got like a red Jeep. It, it sounds lame in its sense, but back in the 90s, that was a cool thing. I kind of fig- figured that you were getting the, the pink Jeep, but maybe that was just me. You know, I, I thought about the pink Corvette because I'm like, I want the convertible, but nah. So, but what ended up happening was kind of funny. So we brought them in the basement. I don't know how we got them down the stairwell, uh, but it ended up being where you would think, oh, these are three kids are just going to drive around. It almost became like a freaking demolition derby with the three cars. So it ended up being, uh, I, I guess, you know, pretty fun. And uh, I guess that was kind of just a, kind of a cool thing because it was something I wasn't expecting. Uh, number two uh, on my list was probably, uh, you know, it's weird because it, it doesn't have the ultimate prize, which I wanted, but uh, I got tickets to the uh, 2004 all-star, I guess, um, I, I want to call it, it was first a practice. So you got to see both the, uh, the West and the East guy guys practice, but then they also became like the all-star experience. So that's where they got to go around and shoot pucks and then sure. wait in line to have a picture with the Stanley cup. And uh, man, you know, that was Super, super fun. Uh, I think we waited in line for about two and a half hours to actually get to the cup. And, you know, Phil Pritchard, who was actually the keeper of the cup, was there. And um, my cousin at the time, actually, what, he was one that was up in line first. We had kind of gone with three or four of us. And he, he looked at him and goes, can I kiss it? Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, man. So we all, so not only did we get to all, you know, hold the cup, we get to kiss the cup. So I can say I've kissed the Stanley Cup. So yeah, for me. <laughs> um <laughs> Number one crazy gift, though, and this one's probably something I know you're not going to expect. When it came because it, it came in a backpack, and, and oh, it boy. sounds lame, but when I opened up this bag, it was materials and textbooks, and what was in post this, it was flight lessons. Okay. Um, my mother is a flight attendant for uh, Delta Airlines, originally Northwest before they merged. And I, I guess ever since I was a kid, I was always a huge aviation enthusiast. And one of my first career paths that I chose was to be an airline pilot and uh, you know sort of the thing that I guess she thought would be cool is let's get him into ground school so 14 years old I took ground school um, uh, basically at uh, Thunderbird Aviation which is out of a small airport called uh, I guess uh, Thunderbird um, then a flying cloud which is in Eden Prairie and I do remember uh, my first le- my first actual in lesson you take off in the small was a Piper Warrior for those who know aviation is a small like four-seat aircraft mm-hmm. and we got up we took off and this is uh probably january february so so snow on the ground we maybe get up about one minute and then all of a sudden you know you're on the headsets and you go through the whole air traffic control all of a sudden he goes all right it's your controls i'm like <laughs> okay right. so then here's me 14 years old flying an aircraft for the next hour and then we get to go into a, a landing and everything else so that was uh, really, really cool. In fact, I do hope to, uh, I, I do have a couple of hours under my belt. I actually do want to go back and finish my private pilot certification after school and uh, some other things settle down uh, uh, just because I love traveling. I love flying. Uh, it's a big passion of mine as far as the hobby is concerned. And uh, uh, yeah, so I guess that's probably the number one craziest thing I've ever got. And uh, I didn't crash it. So that's good. Um, no, I'm kidding. Right. Roger, Roger that. Roger. Uh, can, can you, can you stop <laughs> flying in a circle, please? You need to go straight at some point here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it, it's funny to think because my, uh, 
in the, you know, when, when he said your controls, I guess I was expecting it at some point, but I wasn't expecting it to go like 60 seconds after takeoff. So um, luckily again, you know, ground school, they teach you all that, you know, it wasn't like I was completely new to this. I knew what I was doing. And uh, uh, again, the, I, I, I would, I would, I would have waited until right before you started to land. Cause if anyone knows landing is probably the hardest part, I would have said your controls <laughs> and I would have played dead in the back seat. That would have been just, <laughs> but uh, uh, what, no. what about your three? Um, so yeah, I, on, on that note, um, I've always wanted to get a pilot's license too, but people don't realize, I mean, that's, ex, that's an expensive it's endeavor. Expensive, like if yes. you're going to do it, you got to be dedicated to do it. So kudos to that. And, uh, um, I do have a friend that, uh, has offered, he flies for North star helicopter and the hospitals up here and he lives in Vegas. So he said, when the pandemic is over and everything's back to normal, he'll fly me down to Vegas. I can stay at his place and go see a golden Knights game, which is kind of cool. So I'm definitely going to do that. Uh, my three, number one, uh, crazy gift just because of the age. Uh, I got a shotgun when I was seven years old. Um, oh and, <laughs> you know, because I was learning how to hunt and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think I got my first BB gun when I was five. So, yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if today, if I had a kid, if I would be given my kid a shotgun at seven. But I mean, I guess America, you, right? <laughs> America, Second Amendment. Uh, yeah, I do also remember that same Christmas. That was the first time I got a PlayStation. I got a PS2 and we got NHL 06. And that was, uh, you know, when I always like playing with uh, Philip Kuba. That was my favorite player to, Cuba. Yeah, to, to play as. So uh, that was kind of a kind of an interesting Christmas, if you will. It was actually in Alexandria, Minnesota at my grandpa's place. Uh, number two on this list, Nick, uh, this one was more recent. It was in my college years. Um the two years that I was playing hockey in college, our goaltender, um, very nice guy by the name of Kenny, very tall dude, very good goaltender as well. Uh, he had a roommate who they kind of did like a little like mini gift giving where like your limit was like five or ten dollars and just get him like a simple gift or that sort of thing. Well, it turns out this one kid that was in his room hadn't seen the movie Elf yet, which is absurd to me. But that's absurd. So he goes. And he gets this, you know, this other guy gets in this gift and he gets, you know, the, the movie unpacks it, you know, oh, the movie Elf, I'm really excited to watch this. Kenny goes, yeah, I was in that movie. We're like, what? We're like, what are you talking about, Kenny? Like you weren't in that movie. He goes, no, I was one of the kids. We're like, no, you weren't like, shut up. Like you, you weren't in the movie Elf. So he shows us the official documentation and he has pictures from the day that the set came to his school and he's one of the little kids in the scene where all the little kids are going crazy. Ah. He got $400 as a five-year-old to be in this movie as one of the little kids. So my collegiate goaltender was actually in the movie elf and this, we would have never known it had this other kid not seen elf and gotten elf for our little Christmas giveaway. So my college goaltender was actually in that movie. So I tell people that uh, it's a really good, uh, really good party story because I think it endears me immediately to a lot of people for something I had no hand in whatsoever. So uh, great movie and pretty iconic for a lot of people. My number one craziest gift, Nick, and it doesn't have anything to do with any specific gift. Uh, it was from ages about three to five or six years old. We have, tons and tons of family video. So you got to remember this is like 1999 or 2000 through like 2002 or something like that. I think you were in like high school or something at that point. Um, awkward, school, but thanks. Awkward, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I used to have this habit and it's so funny to watch where I would open up a gift, right? I, you know, go through all the packaging, open it up and I'd go, wow, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, and like, you know, you would think for a couple of, couple of gifts, 
you know, you would do that for like occasional ones where you legitimately didn't know. No, I did it for like 80% of the gifts. Like, unless I knew exactly what it was, I go, Whoa, oh my gosh, what is it? <laughs> so that that's essentially my entire childhood uh, videos, um, you know, pertaining, pertaining opening Christmas gifts. Speaking of childhoods, Nick, uh, and not only childhoods, but spending a fair amount of time with a little bit of nostalgia, our number one interview, and I'm really excited to get to this one, because as you mentioned earlier, it is Bob Motzko and his story, uh, you know, talking about St. Cloud, it was a really fun interview. And I know that when we went into that interview and knowing, obviously, you know, you never know kind of how Bob Motzko is feeling on a given day, as far as a media interview is concerned. So to get the emo- and it's too bad we don't have it on video but to you can hear it in his voice to get the emotional reaction that we did for him to open up about his time at St. Cloud um you know I went back and listened back to it obviously as we were putting putting the show together and I was like I mean I didn't cry but I was like visibly you know moved by by this segment and listening to it back for the first time so i hope all of our listeners uh really enjoy this final segment this was our number one interview segment of 2020 from the huskies warming house podcast bob Motzko. and i want you to talk about your experience going to uh from a very prominent college as you mentioned from the days of being a paper warrior the star tribune and coming up to saint cloud which is essentially still a very young in terms of division one and you you're kind of much tagged uh, with kind of building up this program that it is today. So talk about that transition from the, the Gophers to St. Cloud and uh, building up that program here in the Granite City. Yeah, it was, well, I, I would, I always had my eye, if, if I could have picked a program that I wanted to coach with St. Cloud State. And um, um, as an assistant, as a young coach going through and, and obviously very close with Craig Dahl and, and when that, when the whole thing worked there, uh, for me to come back to St. Cloud State, it was it was an incredible opportunity for me, and and thirteen terrific seasons, um, um, years. Uh, we w- went in there. My youngest son at the time, I believe, was one years old when we moved to St. Cloud. My daughter was just going into first grade. We raised our kids in that community, uh, so I know every nick and cranny from the baseball fields to the soccer fields, to lacrosse fields. Um, my wife knows them probably better than I do, but. We we had a tremendous experience there, and, and then coaching at St. Cloud State, and, and the change that we went through. And we did used to use a term that we were still in our we we weren't in our infancy as a program, but we were just a teenager. You know, you think go for hockey right now is in our hundredth year, and the, and what it had gone through uh, uh, at Minnesota and St. Cloud. Of course, he had a strong and and tr- strong tradition of Division Two hockey or Division Three hockey. And we really embraced that to bring all those players because they had had hockey there since 31, 32, 1931, 32, I believe was the year. And there was strong tradition. Um, but it was the building, it was, it was con- connecting the dots, you know, from the Division One era with, with, you know, Herb Brooks was there just one year during Division Three. Craig ushered it in. I think Craig was there 17 or 18 years that, that Craig was there. And we were still in a building mode. And terrific, you know, the, the handoff from Herb pushing it to Division One, Craig taking it for 17 years. We were just that next step. And that, that's kind of how we viewed that. We needed to build that program to the next step. Um, and we did it two ways. It was, it was tying our, our past with, with the alumni. Um, the community was always, you know, great supporters of the program. But then it was we needed to 
we needed to raise it on a, uh, and, and Craig had one of the greatest college teams. Uh, I'm going to miss the year. I think it was 1991, if I'm not mistaken. That was one of the best college teams in the country. And, and unfortunately, right during that era, back when they had region sites on campuses, you know, they had to play at, at Michigan. They had to play University of Michigan in Michigan, which is so, such an unfair advantage. And, and I think Michigan knocked them off. Uh, where they couldn't punch their ticket to the Frozen Four because that was a great team. Um, we needed to punch tickets. We needed to, to uh, raise our recruiting. We needed to have a culture where our kids really believed in what we were doing. Um, great staff, uh, and I, you know, Fred Arbinson, uh, um, Mike Gibbons, uh, Eric Rude. Um, uh, Garrett Raboyne joined us. Uh, Steve Johnson was, was, was with us for a bit. I mean, just a terrific staff and a, and a slew of great goalie coaches that were volunteers that came through. You know, one, we punched our ticket through to a Frozen Four and 13. Uh, winning the McNaughton Cup was, was – it's really a big deal when you do something for the first time. And it validates what you're doing. And it not just doesn't validate – you know, as much to me as a coach as it does to the players and believe in what you're doing to the recruits. Um, but your fan base that, you know, that we belong playing in, you know, North Dakota and, and yeah, you know, we had so many first sweeping North Dakota, North Dakota. We did that a couple of times uh, that and once that gets in your blood, you know, beating Minnesota on a regular basis at that time, um, um, you know, you, it gets in your blood. It gets into your fiber that you really believe you can do something. And that's really, I think that we were so proud of one. We had terrific student athletes and, and they were doing great in the classroom. They're doing great on the ice. Um, won the McNaughton cup. Then we won the NCHC regular season, NCHC playoffs. And, and I think it was eight NCAA tournaments. And I, and I say that not to, I'm not bragging on that. I'm talking about that's the culture. That was what we were building uh, inside our program and a belief system with our fans uh, the, and, and really administration too, where um, uh, President Potter it was, came through about a year after I got there and he really saw the vision of what we could do and was so instrumental in us being able to do the renovations to the, the National Hockey Center, the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. Um, it, it was such a collective group of people that, that got on board to believe in what we were doing. And, and together with all of us, we were able to do some real special things. Um, and it was a tremendous 13 years. And then, you know, to, and I'll go back to the, um, and that's a long time in a coach's career to be somewhere for 13 years. Um, um, I, I knew that there was probably another move in my career at some point, but there was so limited where I would go. And really the, the only college program that I would leave for uh, as a passion project as a, was the university of Minnesota. And, you know, and I know I get beat up for it with a lot of the fans, but, you know, I, I think the change is going to be healthy one for me in my career, but it's also be healthy for St. Cloud state to hand it over when, you know, let's face it. Most coaches leave when, they get asked to leave. Um, it really happens that way. I think when it, it goes this way and you can hand it off and Brett Larson's going to do a terrific job. Um, I think there's some health to that, that, that you rarely see that, uh, that it was a healthy transition. And, um, 
Uh, and it was healthy for me to, for, for, you know, maybe this is the last kick they can for me at my age in coaching. Um, and I'll look back at it. I know the fans beat me up for it. I, I, I get told that a lot, but I know years from now I'm going to look back and I'm going to really have, um, um, I'm really going to know that is real special that I got to be the head coach of two great college hockey programs in the state, same state. And only one other person can do that. His name's Herb Brooks. What was the hiring process like at the university of Minnesota? And can you describe, you know, sort of the decision to leave and, and as I suppose what, you know, perpetrated that, you know, exact decision that this would be the handoff as you describe. I will be short answered on this one. It was, it was, such a crazy short we got um we were playing in sioux falls and devastating loss that we had in in sioux falls um with um you know number one ranked team in the country uh the next morning i was standing in line at the hotel and my phone rang um and literally about 24 hours later i was the coach at minnesota that's how fast it went i had no time to think um uh, I had an inkling that the call was coming. Nothing was worked out before. There was zero uh, anything that went. But a process like that at, at a program like that, they move very quickly. And, and um, it was almost 24 hours later that, that it was over. So it was, uh, if you were going to do it, I had to make a decision very quickly. And, and, um, and it was hard. The hardest thing was you know, saying goodbye and leaving the players. And this is one thing I told our players. I, I You're there for 13 years and it, you get, and this isn't a job when you have, when you do this, you get very connected to, to families and, and these players. You know, I'm not the perfect coach to all players, but I can tell you, you really have a, a um, you really love your players when you have them, but they all leave me and they all leave us. And I said, for the first time, I'm going to leave you. And, you know, you think now just it's only been two years since I've been gone, but there are very few players left at St. Cloud State when I was there. And that's how that transition kind of works, you know. And um, it was it was a hard it was harder on my 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 middle son than, than anything, because he you know, he was he's still a Husky deep down in his heart. And, and that's all he knew as a young kid growing up. And. But you make the move uh, and you transition. And, and like I said, I had a love affair with St. Cloud State uh, and, and that hockey program and all the people there. And, and uh, my son stayed in back and graduated from St. Cloud Cathedral this year. So uh, I have a feeling I will stay connected, you know, throughout the rest of my life and, and forever grateful for all the people and, and what happened. I wish nothing for the best. And, and uh, I know we finally played for the first time and that was weird. I can, I can tell you it was very weird, and we're going to play again this year, and we'll be coming back to St. Cloud very soon, too. That's going to pretty much do it here for the Huskies Warming House podcast. What a fantastic interview again from Bob Motzko. Nick, what is your one New Year's resolution before we head off into the sunset of 2020? Somehow get younger. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if only that were a thing. Um, I guess for me is to try to get back in the gym a little bit more. I know it's been a tough, especially with the pandemic, um, but also with – as you mentioned, I work uh, a couple different jobs and going to school. So I, I guess I, I kind of felt a little lazy to, to say it lightly uh, to, to kind of get back in the gym. So that's going to be my big year's resolution to try to get some more muscle on, on the skin and bones that I am right now. So uh, that's going to be uh, uh, my resolution. How about you, Noah? What's going to be yours for coming to 2021? Uh, I think this one is very apt for the podcast. Uh, it's just 
calming down. <laughs> I, I think, I think, you know, maybe people don't know this, but you know it more than anybody. I, when it comes to the social media and some of the little things of the show, sometimes I get, I don't, I don't want to say worked up, but I get a little fired up by things sometimes. And I don't let things roll off the shoulder as much as I should. So that's going to be my new year's resolution is uh, staying a little bit calmer when it comes to hockey. Cause you know, we both have a passion for it. So millennials get triggered, man. I don't know what it is with you. I don't, I don't know what it, we want everything now. Instant gratification, Nick now. Speaking of instant gratification, as soon as next week, we are going to be setting up, like we have mentioned multiple times in the show, where the show will be split up. We're still figuring out the logistics of that. So again, bear with us. I, we're going to be back uh, with trivia this next week uh, in the first week of January, I believe January 2nd or 3rd. So stay tuned for that one as well. From the Huskies Warming House podcast, we do wish you happy holidays and uh, we hope you enjoy your New Year's uh, time and get your New Year's resolutions in. I don't know how I feel about Nick going to the gym. I hear that's a very, very common New Year's resolution. We're going to check back in with you, I, th <laughs> I think, at the end of January and see if you're actually in the gym or if you've uh, you've been taking a snooze on your New Year's resolution. But Right. <laughs> But with that, uh, this was a very lengthy episode, but it was our holiday special. So we thank all of our listeners for sticking with us. We are excited to come back with episode number 43, our first episode of 2021. And don't forget, Nick, also another double minor giveaway as well. So more apparel coming your way, more Huskies warming house content. And of course, the lovely faces of Nick Maxson and Noah Grant that are signing off for 2020.